Oh yeah, baby. We got a new intro because we've got some new members here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. What is up, YouTube? Welcome to another live edition of Bucky and BK. Today is September 4th, 2023. Happy Labor Day to you and yours. We are working on this Labor Day, talking plenty of college football. A lot to get into from Texas's season opening win over the Rice Owls at DKR on Saturday. Tons of takeaways from week one of the college football season. We had some crazy upsets, some big time storylines, and a lot of good, bad, and ugly to get into from the opening week of college football here in 2023. We are locked. We are loaded and we are taking you all the way till 10 o'clock right here on Bucky and BK on YouTube and on the free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Bucky, what's going on, my friend? Good morning. How are you, BK? What a wonderful weekend of college football. There, as you said, big upsets, lots of fun, lots of lots of drama, and uh, lots of surprises out there as we find out that everything isn't quite going through Lubbock. It's going through Laramie, Wyoming, it looks like there, Coach. That's where it looks like it's going. But good morning to the soldiers at Fort Hood, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so much for what you do for us all. We do appreciate it, and we appreciate it each and every day. And do be safe out there. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was quite the weekend, my friend. Big 12 runs through Laramie. I think that's what Joey McGuire was saying all offseason long, right, Buck? Oh, yeah. I, that, that was the theme, I believe. I know it started last, last year, but... It's either going through Laramie or it's going through San Marcos, Texas. Whoa. Wow. Come on now, Bears. Really? That was a beatdown, too. Texas no. State with their tell coach, me, tell, me it was a close game. tell me it was a close game. I can't. It, it was one, not a close game. It was a beatdown. At one point, Buck, Texas State led Baylor in Waco 42-24. to I mean, they looked like the Big 12 team while Baylor looked like the G5 team. It was crazy. They dominated in Waco. So, look, Texas is win, and we'll talk about it all morning long. It wasn't flawless. Plenty of things to nitpick, but at least the Longhorns got a win because there are three Big 12 teams that were big favorites on Saturday. We talked about Baylor. We talked about Texas Tech. Obviously, the biggest storyline in college football is what Coach Prime did in Fort Worth on Saturday. TCU, a three-touchdown favorite. They couldn't get the job done, so it wasn't always perfect for Texas against Rice on Saturday, but they won, and they won pretty handily. So we'll take it because those three fan bases would kill to be 1-0 this morning. We are tied for first place in the Big 12. Yes, we're in a tie right now. We are not <laughs> sitting at the bottom. We're not cellar dwellers right now. And no. speaking, speaking of cellar dwellers... Oh, guess who's here this morning? It's the captain. They're still in the cellar, you know. The Yankees. still in the cellar. But guess what they did over the weekend? How much fun did they have? Show them how to sweep. Show them how to throw. There you go. Sweep. Sweep them out of there, captain. Sweep them right out. There you go. I'm surprised it took you all of four minutes to bring up the Yankees (laughs) sweeping the Astros in Houston for the first time in like a decade. My goodness. Yeah. Come on, Astros. Yeah, not great for the Strohs. We will get into a little bit of baseball. The Strohs heading to Arlington for a huge three-game series between the two Texas teams. The last battle for the silver boot here in 2023. The Rangers and Astros both tied at one game back of Seattle in that wild, wild 
American League West. And congrats to your Yankees. Nobody's going to congratulate a team that's won 27 world championships. Why would you do that? There's no need to do that. They're cellar dwellers. You ain't winning one this year, but you did win a few games over the weekend. For just one weekend, they look like champions. I'll tell you that. They did. They did. Well, I don't know if the Longhorns looked like champions this weekend. They did find a way to beat Rice 37 to 10. The final score, the defense was fantastic. I mean, that's the best good from what Texas did on Saturday. They did give up that fourth quarter touchdown drive late, but that was when most of the second and third stringers were in. But it was a dominant defensive performance from this Texas group. We talked about wanting to see them win up front, right? One of the biggest strengths of this Texas team and one of the most talked about positions on this Texas team is that defensive line. And they showed up and showed out. How about this? 20 Five carries for Rice for 27 yards. They were in JT Daniels' face all game long. Bucky, the defense as a whole, fantastic. The defensive line was a huge, huge part of why. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them their kudos to how they play defense. Now, they're supposed to do that against Rice. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to physically shut them down, and that's exactly what they did to Rice. I mean, they're, they had one long run by uh, – they had one long run and that was about it. And I think that was about 14 yards. Other than that, they went nowhere. I mean, in the run game, they went nowhere really in the passing game. And this defense just overwhelmed them. And this wasn't a pressure defense. This was a sack you defense. This is a defense this weekend that really got after that Rice offensive line. They just didn't have enough bodies at Rice. They couldn't bring in gas that would take the place of their starting guys that would play just as well. But on the other side, BK, that was, that, was, that was not a good performance by the Texas offensive line. I mean, once again, Sark gets into a number of fourth down calls, and he just can't turn around and hand it back out of the pistol. I mean, he couldn't just turn around and hand it off and get two yards. And by the way, none of them were close. There was not either one of those. I think there were two really fourth and, at fourth and ones. They weren't even close. They were at least a half yard short on each one of those uh, fourth down attempts. It wasn't close. They didn't move anything. They, they couldn't move a walnut. They couldn't roll a walnut, that offensive line. And that's what they should have done. They should have been able to lean on those kids. And they did a lot of leaning, by the way, in that game. They didn't do a lot of pushing around of the defensive line for the Rice Owls. Yeah, we talked about the D-line being the best good for Texas on Saturday. I think the O-line was the worst bad for Texas on I Saturday. I believe so. You're right. Yeah, they got pushed around a little bit at times. They were one for three on fourth down. And, man, it just – You've got Malik Murphy. He's 6'6", close to 250. Can you not put that dude under center and just tell him to sneak it? Like, that guy falling forward is picking up a yard every single time. He's probably picking up three or four. Like, nobody's stopping that dude. It's the most successful short yardage play in all of football. And when you have a guy who's that size, who could do that, like that to me, if you're ever in a short yardage situation, I don't care if you're playing Rice or Alabama or Oklahoma Bring that dude in, line him up under center, and tell him to just fall forward, and you're picking up the great, first great, down nine out of ten times. Great thought, BK. I've never seen it even attempted by this team. No. When you have a body that that guy, is, like you said, a body like that, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't we see that? Why wouldn't that guy come in and get underneath center, take a snap, and push himself? You're absolutely right. He can get a yard. I don't know yeah. whether the center will block anybody or the guard will block anybody, but that dude should be able to get a yard, find a crease, and find a way to get it. That was um, that's an interesting thought. And I, you're, you're the first person I've heard say that. Period. In the last two years, why can't that guy take a snap? If that's going to be his specialty, 
if he's going to get in the games late or whatever and, and scrub time, this ought to be something he should be practicing every day. A, yeah. The quarterback sneak. I, you're absolutely right. Why not? Because the, the offense that Sark runs for the fourth and one, I, I, we've seen it too much before. It's there's there's nothing to it. There's no push. There's no. Well, I'm not saying you have to have misdirection, but there's got to be some creases. They don't have Bijan Robinson in the backfield. This group right here, they there's there's nobody making anybody miss. That's right in the hole, whether it's short yardage or any other yardage. They don't have the type of runners right now that's going to make make somebody in the hole. And there were numerous guys in the hole on run plays yeah. that, that these guys had to try to make miss. Well, that's the thing. Like the QB sneak, I think would be the best play for Texas there. They shouldn't have to do that, right? No. They, they should be able to go in the shotgun, hand the ball off to anybody in that running back room and find a way to pick up one yard against Rice. We're talking about Rice, man. Like you should be able to push those fools back five yards on every single play. And as the game progressed, like in the second half, you started to see the offensive line impose their will a little bit. Because, uh, you know, Rice just doesn't have the bodies or the right. depth or the size to hang with Texas over a full four-quarter game. But it was really disappointing. Like, they shouldn't have to QB sneak. They should be able to call every single play in their playbook and you're pick right. up one yard on fourth down and one. And you're right. They were one for three. And it's not like they had to bring the chains out for any oh, of the no. ones that they didn't get. They were clearly short. They got stuffed up front. Yeah, they had guys in the gaps. They had they had penetration uh, through through those fourth down plays. Uh I'm I'm not looking at the backs and say you've got to get a yard now. I would have when I get to the film room probably start saying for the backs you got to make that happen. But there was too much penetration, too many guys knifing in the gaps, getting underneath the big guys, and getting the push, getting the leverage on on these big bodies. And I mean I saw some of that in the past game. I was I was even disappointed that I saw guys once again they were starting to have these stunts, these maneuvers on the defensive line like they had two years ago against uh, a group at Texas at the offensive line and getting penetration, getting in. Quinn Ewers' face. I mean, it was that was not that was not great offensive football on Saturday. What it was was a bigger, stronger, more physical team just having more bodies late on a very hot day against a, a uh, an inferior team. That's that's all that was. That was that was not want to because the Rice kids wanted to. They just didn't have enough physical power to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. But look, the Texas offense figured it out in the third quarter, which was great to see, right? Three drives, three touchdowns for the Longhorns coming out of the locker room. So they got some things rolling. Quinn Ewers looked a little bit more comfortable. The offensive line started to figure some things out. But overall, it was just a very meh performance by the Texas offense. And you know what they say, Buck? C's and D's get degrees. That was oh, yeah. a C slash D like performance from the Texas offense. And I know some of the stats look okay, but Texas's projected team total was in the upper 40s. They, they got to 37 in this one. And obviously, have, having to settle for three field goals in the first half against Rice, not part of the plan at all. Having this, uh, you know, get, get, getting stopped on two fourth downs against Rice, being three for nine on third down in the first half against Rice, that was not part of the game plan at all. Like, I know Texas was trying to keep things vanilla, Buck. They didn't want to put too much on film because of who they've got on the schedule this weekend. But still, it Sark and all of us were expecting it to look cleaner than it did in the first half on Saturday, and it was not clean. I mean, I expected to see some holes for the running game. There there weren't any big holes. I mean – the young guy had a nice run where he got hurt and embedded himself into the turf on the sideline. Other than that, there, you know, you know, little quick swing passes, and you know, I'm, I'm real. I, I thought Brooks played a really nice game at running back. I, I thought I was trying to figure out why he wasn't the starter. I mean, I didn't see anything from the 
from C.J. Baxter that told me he's the starting running back. You know, I, I was I was really surprised at that, that a veteran player like Brooks, who's been around, who we saw in the bowl game, play a pretty good bowl game, didn't start the game because he did things in the game that were really, really nice. Now, he missed a pass that hit him in the hands for a touchdown yeah. because he would have caught that swing pass. There was nothing in front of him with his speed and his ability that he wouldn't have got in the end zone. But he did make a nice play down this, on the right-hand side for a touchdown, showed all the things that I thought he could do. But I don't know why he's, he's not the starter because C.J. Baxter still has a way to go. And just the one run where he went down the sidelines there and then stumbled at the end and didn't find a way to fall the correct way because that's still a part of being a running back is how you fall. I mean, he embedded his shoulder like a, there was an arrow being shot. I mean, the way he landed – I mean, I when he landed the way he landed, BK, I thought he was hurt immediately. I I'm, first thing I thought was, oh no, I didn't think it was a dislocated shoulder, but I, I was thinking that dude's going to separate him sho- his shoulder, and he has time in the air to maneuver himself where he lands more on his back when he started to stumble there. I mean, you got you got to have some. There's some awareness about being an athlete, and I his awareness there towards the sideline. You can't take. It's not like you can't take hits from guys. You're going to take enough hits in your career, but you can't take a hit from the turf like that. Yeah. When you have the ability to slide sideways and land on the back of your shoulder instead of dead smack on the point. I mean, he landed right on the point of his shoulder. So I don't know what the injury is. I'm not going to I'm not gonna say he something happened to him because he did not come back in the game. No, he did not come back into the game. But there was a report that came out yesterday that said C.J. Baxter is expected back at practice okay. this week. So good. it doesn't sound like something too serious. It didn't look good. In real time, because you're right, he hit the turf hard. I thought it was a collarbone, right? He's kind of reaching for his shoulder, it looked like. And I'm thinking, oh, this is the same injury that Quinn Ewers suffered yes. last year. This is going to keep him out for maybe a month of the season. But Sark, after the game, sounded pretty optimistic. He talked about it being more of a rib issue than anything else. Once again, there was a report that came out yesterday that said Baxter is expected to be back at practice this week. Good. So I don't know if he's still the starter. Next week in Tuscaloosa, I don't know how much he plays next week in Tuscaloosa, but the good news is it doesn't sound like something that's going to keep him out for very long. That's that's great news because the visual itself, if you're just a fan and saw the way he landed, you're going, oh, no. Yeah, well, this this is your fault, Buck. What? He didn't go to my school. He should have gone to my, you know, they never called me up and I could get him into my fall school. I was going to say, did you reach out? Like, we need you to contact some of these guys to make sure they enroll in your fall school so this type of stuff doesn't happen. Two has been in the, my fall school. Watch him this week when he plays. Watch the way that guy learns how to fall and go down and not hit his head on the on the turf or not hit his shoulder into the turf. If that guy gets hurt this year, it's on you. You know that, right? I understand. You're claiming understand. that because Tua enrolled in your fall school, that he's going to stay healthy for all 17 games. If something happens to that dude, his blood is on your hands, man. I can't help if that dude falls off. When he steps off the bus and he falls, that's his problem. You can't fall down (laughs) stepping off the bus. That's not part of fall school? No, that's not part of – no. That's just dumb. If he he comes down the steps and he makes the wrong step and he falls, even though that, even in midair, he should be able to twist himself around that he doesn't hit his dome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was All a weird looking, yeah, I mean, weird looking injury for for CJ Baxter, but thankfully you know, he is okay because Texas doesn't have a ton of depth. I will say this: while we're on the subject of running backs, I liked what I saw from Jaden Blue a lot. I did too. I just wish he was. A, I wish he's a little more stout. He's when you see him in uniform, he looks like a hundred and seventy pound running back. You know what I mean? He looks more like a wide receiver than a running back. But he's got some really quick feet, and he makes some really nice cuts. 
uh, some of it, the ending of his runs are just, he's just going to have to get a little bit bigger. That's all. Other than that, I mean, I mean, he's put on a little bit more weight and he will, you know what I'm saying? As, as his, as his career goes on, he'll put on probably 10 more pounds or so because he'll need it because he looks like a, he looks like a wide receiver running up in there, but he does make some nice moves. Yeah, he actually led Texas in rushing on Saturday. Ten carries, 55 yards, a five-and-a-half-yard-per-clip afternoon for Jaden Blue. I thought that was a positive for this Texas team as well. Let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian, Buck. Uh, this is the end of his opening statement from right after the game on Saturday after the Longhorns took care of the Rice Owls 37-10. to 10. Here's Coach Sark. We won a way today that I don't think most people thought that's how we would win that game. Um, and so for me, there's a lot of encouragement in that, that we can win games in different styles. I thought the beauty of it was in the third quarter, we, we kind of got things rectified offensively, had three drives, three touchdowns, very efficient. thought Xavier kind of set the tone with a lot of that. He had a nice punt return, made some plays in the passing game. Um, we just felt like it had a little better rhythm to what we were doing. So um, I will say this. We got a lot of things to clean up, which is understandable coming out of the first game. Now we have to make sure we identify those things really well as a coaching staff, um, get get our players bought into what needs to get cleaned up and get fixed so that we can improve our quality of play. And, uh, you know, that that's, that's always the goal week in and week out, but especially coming out of week one. And you'd like to think you make your most strides from week one to week two. Uh, and we got plenty of things to clean up on that front. Yeah, they've, they've got, you know, yeah, buy in. Buy into the physicality of your offensive line. That's what they need to buy into because that was not a physical. That was just a group of Rice kids running out of players in the third quarter on a very hot day because that was not a – overwhelming physical game by Texas on the offensive side. That wasn't the kind of game I was looking for to start out the season. I know there's some things that you clean up in game one, you know, and they didn't have a lot, a lot of penalties and it wasn't sloppy coming out. You know, there was none of that stuff, the mental part, but the physical part, there was in no way, shape or form BK did I think that Rice was going to be the more physical team with their defense against Texas offensive line. And once again, and the only reason to me, if the Rice kids, still would have had enough, you know, if they could have had, you know, their second teamers have a little bit more strength, this would have been a, a rough game for Texas in the, in the third quarter, I thought, because they just didn't over, they should have overwhelmed that Rice defensive line. They just yeah. should have. Yeah, I mean, that was the most disappointing part of that win on Saturday was the offensive line regressing to pre-2022 Texas yeah. offensive line because last year they were really good. We did talk about it, you know, Bijan being just the most explosive playmaker in college football the last couple of years, I think mitigated some of the issues that the offensive line maybe Absolutely. had. That guy was just so good, and like he made everybody around him look better and be better. Uh, but still, I mean, I expected this O-line to be – Dominant on Saturday. I think this O-line has the potential to be one of the best in the country. It's another thing we mentioned last week. Phil Steele in his college football preview magazine has Texas as the fourth best offensive line in all of college football. They didn't look like the fourth best offensive line in all of no. college football. And you think about like that was the one thing that scared me the most. Because I think every Texas fan buck was watching that through the Alabama lens, right? Like, okay, what, what are we going to see today that gives us confidence for next weekend? And what are we going to see today against Rice that worries us for next weekend? And I think the biggest fear that every Texas fan has after that Rice game is this offensive line going up against that defensive line because you don't need either of us to tell you how much of a difference there is between the guys that Rice have on the defensive front and the guys that Alabama has on the defensive Yeah, I know, I know Sark would like for his team to look 
he, when he was saying that this is the team that I envision and the way they look and the way they handle themselves. Well, if you'd have watched his old ball club at Alabama on Saturday night, that's what I envision a football team looking like. If I'm I'm a fan or just anybody involved, a coach involved in football, that Alabama group on Saturday night, that's what a football team looks like. That's what you envision as a coach. Yeah. 56, not, getting, not getting pushed around by Rice. Yeah. Alabama I mean, took care of business against Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State stinks, but Bama did win. They did cover, which is something Texas failed to do. And yeah, they, they imposed their will uh, over the course of that game without a doubt, more than Texas did against Rice. But I was, I was excited about the, the, you know, the team not being sloppy. They weren't sloppy. There wasn't a bunch of jet guys jumping off. You know, there weren't those illegal procedures. There weren't those extracurricular hits late. I mean, they, they played hard. And I think the offensive line played hard. But there was maybe too much thinking going on. You know, I'm saying, sometimes when you're not physical in a game like that, especially in game number one, you're doing more of the thinking part of it. You're not just being yourself and going out there and using your strength. You're thinking about your steps. You're thinking about everything that coaches talk to you about, and, and you don't play. You know, you start, you, you get in a groove in the third quarter, but, hell, you should have been in a groove in series number two against Rice. The second time you had a fourth down and one or less than one, you should have plowed those kids over and got a three-yard first yeah. down carry, not not a half yard and get stuffed and a guy coming through the gap. By the way, I, I the, the, the great player – you know, Banks, I saw him get beat on a – I didn't see him all year get beat on a pass rush. I saw a guy take an inside move on him and get to the quarterback. I was like, damn. Yeah, I think he gave up one sack in the entirety of his freshman year, and obviously we're one game into the 2023 season, and Kelvin Banks has given up the same number of sacks that he gave up all of last year. Uh, he's fine. Look, I, I think the tackles are fine. I think for the most part, those guys played pretty well. The interior of the O-line was not good. No. Uh, DJ Campbell making his first career start. We found out after the game that Cole Hudson was not available, Buck. Um, he got nicked up in practice towards the end of last week, and Cole Hudson is the guy who started every game for Texas at right, right they're guard. they're just moving bodies around. Yeah, and Sark, and Sark talked about it going into the game, like there's going to be a rotation between Campbell and Hudson. Uh, Sark said after the game it's nothing serious with Hudson, but obviously they, they didn't want to put him out there against Rice. And, yeah, DJ Campbell had some good moments, but also had some bad moments too. And, yeah, the interior of the offensive line, just twists and stunts. That's – God, I feel like I'm doing radio again in Austin. Twist and stunts. Talked about that so many times over the last few years with this Texas team. Right. Just, like at times they do such a bad job communicating and passing off those twists and stunts. And you talk about putting stuff on film. Well, you know, Nick Saban's going to watch oh. this film and be like, oh, Rice was, they were getting home by doing this. Oh, we're going to do this on every single play. So, sorry, right. It was the first game. Like, yes, to improve. And sometimes the O line, it takes a little bit of time for them to get that chemistry and that cohesion. That, uh, that you want to see from them. But you know Nick Saban is licking his chops right now watching what Rice did on Saturday because he's going to try to do all of that and more next Saturday. Yeah, can they clean that up in a week? I mean, because you may be able to clean up, uh, clean up the communications, but the physicality of the group that you're going to be playing this week, if you're not prepared and, and they start coming out in the first half and start punching you in the mouth because you do not have the running backs, you don't have the type of gas, they need you to block. They need you to be physical at the point of attack because those guys aren't going to make a bunch of guys miss in the backfield. And there were way too many little rice guys standing in gaps in, uh, in that football game. There, there were way too many of that to be going on. Those guys should have been moved out of the way. You should have had a few gaping holes for these running backs to run through, and you did not have that. 
you've got a capable running back room. You really, really do. C.J. Baxter and Brooks and Blue, you have a capable with all those guys. They bring a little something different to the table. But what, what they don't have is they don't have the ability to make one guy or two guys miss that are unblocked. Or That was too many for game number one. Hopefully yeah. they can clean that up because if, even if they clean up the communications, it's the physicality that when you go against Alabama that, that just can overwhelm you. Yeah, miss both. It's the physicality, it's the communication. Just it was an underwhelming performance by the offensive line. Here's Steve Sarkeesian. That was one of the first questions he was asked in his post-game press conference. Your thoughts on the way the offensive line played, and here's what Coach Sark had to say. Yeah, you know, I think from an O-line perspective, um, I thought it was fine. You, you know, we got a lot of different stuff today. <laughs> That's always one of the challenges in week one. You, you never really know. Um, and when a team does something dramatically different than what's on tape. You got to be, you got to make those adjustments, not just as a staff, but the players need to. And I thought we found some rhythm in the running game. I thought the protection uh, got better as we went along. Um, so on, on that front, do I want it to be better? Of course I do. Like that aspect, I'm always striving for it to be better, but um, I do understand where some of the mishaps might've come. And so we got to get that cleaned up because if, if not, some of the same things we saw today, we will continue to see. You would know you'll not only continue to see, but your running backs will have the ball dislodged from them if you continue to see that type of performance on the offensive line. No, I mean, I would rather just come out and just say this. No, I was not happy with the way we ran the ball. Uh, we, can, we can do much better, and we're going to aim to do that this week in practice. I wouldn't come out and say I, it was all right. It was not all right. right. That, was not, that was not all right in the beginning. I thought it was all right. No, th it was not all right. Yeah, fourth, fourth down against Rice is not all right to get stuffed twice. Yeah, I guess the positive spin zone here is it, it always get, is game one. Well, it did get better in the second half too, and that has been one of Sark's biggest issues over the course of his Texas career. Now, I'm right. taking Saturday with a grain of salt because they're playing Rice and they're going up against Mike Bloomgren, but we've talked about it. Like Sark has lost the in-game adjustment battle way too often over his Texas career. And clearly the coaching staff did something at halftime or said something at halftime that changed the way the offense operated because they looked much more clean and things looked a whole hell of a lot better in that third quarter than it did in the first half. So I'll give the coaching staff credit. And I think Sark talked about it at the beginning of that cut. Like they weren't expecting what they saw from rice. I guess rice didn't do that a lot last year. Now, it was Rice's biggest game of the season, right? So they're going to pull out all the stops to try That's to right. pull off a massive upset in Austin. So, like, you, you almost have to expect the unexpected when you're going up against a David and you're a Goliath. But clearly, Stark, they weren't expecting it. They did make some adjustments. They figured some things out. They got some communication worked out during the uh, halftime recess, and they were able to clean things up a little bit for the second half. But, yeah, that was uh, – it was underwhelming, man. Like, that's – it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways – the Texas offensive line has to be better. Like, not just for Alabama next week. And I know this Big 12 did not have a great opening weekend, but if Texas is going to win the Big 12 conference, they are going to need the O-line to resemble what we saw last year and not what we had seen way too much the decade before that because that was bad Texas offensive line play against the Rice Owls. It was basically bad Texas play on offense for, for a lot of that football game. I mean, the passing game didn't really get going, too. I mean, there was Quinn yours throwing them bombs to his cousins up in row three on those deep on those deep balls that never stayed in bounds. I mean, if the guy catches the ball, he's out of bounds by four yards. So, I mean, they've got to still clean that up. 
that still looks the same to me. There's nothing that's changed about those deep sideline throws. There really isn't. I mean, that and, – and they're still underthrown, but they're, they're thrown that even if the guy makes the catch, he's out – I mean, he's out of bounds. It's not in the field of play. Yeah. So that's just a waste of a throw when you do that. I don't know if it's loosening up the defense, but every once in a while, I sure would like to have those things completed if you're going to throw them. Yeah. You know, I, Xavier Worthy was fantastic. I thought the wide receivers played a, a, a solid game. The quarterback didn't really do anything for me that made me jump out and think, well, that's one of the best passers in the country. It was just an, eh, like you said, offensive performance. They got better in the second half, but my God, it's rice. Come on, y'all. Really? Let's get into Quinn Ewers a little bit more in a second because I had a tweet on Saturday that uh, ruffled some feathers amongst Longhorn fans. And obviously, we got to talk about the quarterback's performance after any game because there were some good, but also some not so good from Quinn Ewers, as you just alluded to. But, Buck, some love to our sponsors. We'll start with where we were on Saturday. We had our first ever. Texas Sports Unfiltered pregame show live at Covert Bee Cave. And, man, that was a hell of a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was. Boy, did they hook us up. You know, we were live from the Covert family, you know, studios in Bee Cave, Texas. It was absolutely quite a thrill to be there and quite a thrill to have their entire staff there. You know, some some of those folks were off on Saturday. They decided to come in. They had all the screens uh, with our channel on. And it, it was it was fun to watch. It was fun to have people. And we're sorry we, that when we do this, you can't come in and talk to us. We had a number of people that wanted to come in and say hello to us, but we were sequestered in a room that had to be locked because we were on live TV too. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be outside someday when the weather starts to cool down into the 70s maybe <laughs> because it was another hot one on Saturday, not only for the fans at DKR. I know it had to be hot for them. I just – when I was outside thinking about the fans that had to go to that game, but it was – Thank you to the Covert family, Dan and Stacy and Mike and the group over there. They've been doing all these this great work since 1909, the Covert family, selling cars and trucks in Central Texas. And their showroom is absolute. they got three state-of-the-art showrooms there. BK would carry in seven brands, Buicks, GMC, Cadillacs, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and, of course, Ram. They've got it all for you. And if, for more information, go to CovertBKs.com. That's all you have to do. And don't forget, there's a Covert Ford in Hutto and Covert Ford and Lincoln in Austin. And nobody beats that Covert deal. Not now, not ever. Not ever. And shout out to our two giveaway winners. That's right. We do giveaways during pregame here on on, Texas Sports Unfiltered. I know you got some options. I know other people have shows out there, but nobody gives more stuff away to the people than us at Texas Sports Unfiltered. The winner of the $25 Hat Creek Burger Company gift card, Michael My Business. I don't know if that's a God-given last name, but that is his YouTube name. So congrats to Michael, my business. I will reach out to you after the show to get into contact, find a way to get you that $25 Hat Creek gift card. And then the winner of the two free passes to Austin Duck Adventures to go on the duck boat tour. Ride, splash, quack. (laughs) There you go. Congrats to Eddie Williams, the winner of that two-pack of tickets to go on one of those Austin Duck Adventures tours. That's a hell of a lot of fun. Congrats to our two winners. Yeah, that's uh, one of many reasons why you check us out on Texas Sports Unfiltered. and We give away more stuff than anybody in the world. Yeah, and there were some some great uh, game day sponsors, Verde's and, of course, Moonshine. 
no, we had we we had them all. Thank thank you, folks, for being a part of what we're doing. We love the game day presentation and giving you two hours of uninterrupted, no commercials. We just roll and talk Texas football and and Longhorn football. I mean, that's right at the top of our list. And there's a lot to talk about from game one to game two. But your sponsors make it make it uh, easy on us. You really, really do, and we really appreciate it. The folks yep. at Allstat. I mean, it was it's just great to have you guys on board with us. And more to come. More to come. Yes. Shout out to our pre and post game sponsors: Clean Cause, Kenfield Golf Cars, Verde's Mexican Perilla, Hat Creek Burger Company, Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill, and Paul's Motor Works. I appreciate their sponsorship for the pre and post game. By the way, if you missed the post game, it was fantastic with Trey and with KD. You can find it in podcast form either on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple. But obviously, we're we're locked and loaded. We are live from eight to five on Texas Sports Unfiltered, so you'll get everybody's thoughts throughout the course of the day right here on TSU. Okay, Buck, let's talk quarterback. You brought up Quinn Ewers uh, a little bit ago. And it was an up-and-down season-opening performance for Quinn Ewers. If you just look at the stat line, not too shabby for the Texas signal caller. Uh, 19 of 30 throwing the football for 260 yards. Three passing touchdowns. Also added a rushing touchdown as well. No turnovers. I think that's the best stat for Quinn Ewers, right? Like You hope that continues over the course of the season. We know it won't. But nice that he was clean with the football, didn't give it away against this Rice defense, especially considering how bad the offensive line was in the first half. They weren't making life very easy for Ewers at all. But a good stat line, but you talked about it, man. Still some of the issues that plagued Ewers during his inconsistent 2020 se- uh, 2022 season, excuse me, we saw pop up against Rice on Saturday. Well, I thought his footwork was better at times. You know, I, I think – for throughout the, the entirety of the game, I thought his footwork was really done really well. I thought he was a little off once again in game one. And in this game one, we're still going to go to that. We're still going to use that as that's that happens all over college football, all, all over any football in game one. Still a little offness with his receivers and himself. I mean, Sanders had a ball hit him right between the shoulder blades that he wasn't prepared for. And I blame that mo- mostly on the tight end. You got to get your head around and get ready. That quarterback's ready to let that ball go. And you're open space. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I better not, I better keep my face pointed this way and see if that open space changes. But he needed to get his head around and so the ball could get to him. It got on him in a hurry, but that was one that was a little miscommunications. That timing was off on that. But those deep throws are still just heave hoes. That's all they are. I mean, it just there's you don't lead the guy. Either the receiver doesn't give you enough room to the sideline or you throw the ball on the outside shoulder that leads you into the damn bench or into row number one. It just it's it's nice to be able to throw them bombs, but them bombs have to be able to get caught. And if you cast them bombs out of bounds, it doesn't mean anything. It's just as you've thrown a long pass. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, for this Texas offense to reach its potential, they have to have the ability to hit on more of those deep shots. And I want the deep shot to be a part of this offense, right? If you have the ability to take the top off a of defense, then that just makes life so much easier for everybody, for the players, for including your run game, dollar, including your run game. Yes, absolutely. But last year, Texas couldn't do it. And those deep shots fell incomplete way more often than not. And that was the big hope, right? All we heard all offseason long was about how much Quinn Ewers has worked on those deep balls. And we didn't see that work pay off on Saturday, like at all. And BK, I said, I don't care whether Rice plays base defense, three deep coverage, and just backs up. 
these receivers ought to be able to go by them. They weren't really going by no, those dudes. They were. Ewers was just underthrowing dudes. I thought the receivers were winning most of their one-on-one matchups. Like there was one to Worthy, there was one to AD Mitchell. Oh, maybe there were two to Worthy. But they were two to Worthy, yeah. Yeah, they had their DBs beat by a step, if not two or three. And Ewers just floated the ball up there and underthrew it. Like, dude, it's hard to overthrow Xavier Worthy. Like, just send it, man. That guy's fast as all get out. He's gonna get under the football. Right, it's so frustrating, and it happened time and time again last year, where Ewers would just underthrow Xavier Worthy. It's like, dude, there's nobody on the field that's fast enough to keep up with that guy. Right? Do not underthrow him; just send it, and he's gonna go get it. Whatever. If you overthrow him, that's better than what we saw in that game on Saturday. That's just it, it's frustrating, man. Like that, it really is. It, yeah, it's one game. It's one game. It can get better, and hopefully, it does get better. But that was like my my biggest hope. The number one thing I wanted to see from Quinn Ewers on Saturday, and really the number one thing I wanted to see from this offense on Saturday was just the ability to be more successful with those bombs down the field, and they weren't. It was the exact same as what we saw last year. You're right, that one that led Worthy out of bounds, but also there were just a couple of underthrows, and it's like, man, like I, I know it's one game, but it's impossible to think that you know, uh, you can't get these against Rice. Like, how are you going to get these against Alabama? How are you going to yeah, get you these against other teams? And, and you know, we talk about last year that Worthy needed to go up and make those catches, and he dropped some balls, but he made the, made the you know, wanted to make the 50-50 catch. You're right, he didn't. When they're, when they're underthrown, you don't have a chance to get those 50. You're gone. All your, you know, all your motion is going forward. Then if you got to stop and come for a jump ball, it's just tough on you. It's easy for the defender who's still running forward to, to have his opportunity. And you're right, a couple – were thrown behind him. And the ones that get led out of bounds, those are the ones that are really frustrating as a fan because you don't, you know, it doesn't matter if he can't, he can't get a foot down because it's already four, you know, four yards out of bounds. Right. He's Absolutely. not, whether he catches it or not, it may look good, but you know, yeah. it was, it was a, it was a good 37 to 10 win. I mean, when do you, when do you poo foo a 37 to 10 win? When they don't cover, Come that's on. when you do it. Well, you know what they twice. say, good teams win, great teams cover. I'm not trying to be a good team this year. I'm That's trying to right. be a great team. We want to win a conference championship this year. We want to be in the CFP discussion this year. That was Texas- not a championship play in game one. No. And a lot of teams didn't have, ask TCU what that's like, because they got abused on Saturday. And what was one of the great college football games? It really, really was. I mean, those are games that TCU would pull out last year and escape those games. BK, not this week, not this week against Prime. Coach Prime had it going on, and his son and that football team, that was spectacular. That was good to watch. I'm, I thought they would get beat. I thought they would get bad. I don't think that I, I didn't think they would win three games, but they've got some talent on that football team. They got some little dudes that can absolutely play football. You yeah. know, they got some five, five, ten, you know, five, eleven guys that know how to play the game of football, know how to escape, know how to catch, know how to run. They understand where they need to be, and his son can heave ho that ball now. He didn't have any trouble throwing the deep bombs. Nope. He a, just, lot of, uh, a lot of people deleting tweets after what Colorado did in Fort Worth on Saturday because I think the majority of the country was on your side, Buck. Oh, TCU is going to win, and they are going to win going away. You know, they were three touchdown favorites. Colorado had just an unprecedented amount of turnover both on their coaching staff, but also with the personnel as well. Right. And most people didn't think it was going to happen in year one, let alone game one. But yeah, that's the biggest story in college football right now. And we can get back into Texas here in a moment. But 
that is the biggest storyline in college football right now is Colorado. I mean, obviously, they were the most talked about team throughout the course of the offseason. And then for them to go out against the national runner-up in their house and win that game the way that they did as a three-touchdown dog, dude, Coach Prime and the Buffs, the biggest and the best story in the country right now. And we get them on na- a national television this week coming up. So it's uh, – I-, I thought Dion – Dion's way of coaching I just didn't think it would work uh, I didn't think it would work this quick you know after what I saw them in the spring I thought they were just I thought they were they were a small football team I know he got rid of a lot of kids just about all of the kids and I, I thought that that was not program building that was program annihilation there for a while but certain ways just you just have to look and see see if it's working see if when he gets in a room with those players how they feel about him as a coach, because the way they played on Saturday, that tells me an awful lot about what they believe in his style of coaching and his method. He wants yep. the obviously he wants the very best for his team. They under the dude can coach. I mean, you just don't do do what he did, not be able to coach and not be able to communicate to young people. And yep. he did that. Now, when he came there and 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 had a, a bunch of you know guys who had had history and fathers have gone to Colorado. You know, people were saying it, it, that's that's not the way to do. You're breaking down the fabric of your program. Well, sometimes you must break it down to build it up. And obviously, it's, so far, it's working in his favor. I don't know how that works for long term. People will say, you know, no, it's only going to continue to build more. We'll see. But that was a great. I'll just say this: that was a great exhibition of coaching and playing uh, on Saturday. That was that was fantastic to watch. Now the now his defensive player, the guy to play wide, the kid to play wide receiver, and and uh, defensive back. Yeah, I don't know if that guy can play over hundred plays like that a game. Show he hey, even, I, Yeah, I don't know if hundred plays if he even practices or is he just stand beside Dion during practice and not actually run around because I don't know if you can play that many snaps of football, two way football. Yeah, and he did that in Fort Worth, right? It was just oh. as hot up there as it was, oh, yeah, it was. In on Saturday. And yeah, that and he guy played, played at a level. He played at an unbelievable level. Yeah, I'm calling him Travis Otani or Shohei Hunter because he is uh, a great two-way player. And yeah, it was one game, but he elevated his name into that Heisman Trophy conversation. And it's not like Travis Hunter's a nobody. This guy was the number one recruit in the country a couple of years ago. Right. And he shocked everybody by going to Jackson State to play for Dion instead of going literally anywhere else. He had offers from every school in the country. He went to JSU instead. He followed Coach Prime to Colorado. Now we actually get to see what he can do because not a lot of people are watching Jackson State football. And, man, he put on a display. Uh, 11 catches for 119 yards. And you mentioned it, a great diving interception at the goal line on defense and was just great in coverage all game long. That guy, that was the best performance. There were a lot of great performances in college football this weekend. And hell, you could argue Shador Sanders, Dion's kid, the quarterback, maybe had the best performance in the country. But I'm going with Travis Hunter for a guy to do what he did on both sides of the ball. Yes. You don't see that often. At this level, that guy was special on Saturday. And, man, I'm rooting for him. Like, I, I'm rooting for Colorado, man. Like, that's – that's how can you not, right? Like, that's such a fun storyline. And it's uh, – I know Dion, like you said, he's ruffled some feathers. He hasn't done things the traditional way. And some people are pissed off with the way that he's gone about things. And he's pissed a lot of people off with the way that he's gone about things. But, man, I will be watching just about every Colorado game. And I hope that wasn't just a flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. I hope they can put together – a pretty good season because they've got some entertaining players to watch. Yeah, they do. They do. They have entertaining football players that know how to play the game. 
and, yeah. and they're real good athletes. And as I said, they know, you know, they know where seams are. They don't drop balls. They hit them in the hands. They catch balls. And those little guys coming out of the backfield, the speed, the speed that those guys have, it, it's, that's, ex, that's exceptional athleticism that I saw from that group on Saturday. And good coaching, too. I'm, you know, I, I can't not give him a hand for the way those guys are coached and the way they perform because you just don't go out there as a group because you're athletic and do all those things. I mean, they had to be pretty well coached, too. They got to be taught to be in the right spots, too. But when they have the opportunities, they took advantage of the opportunities that they had on the football field on Saturday. They yeah. really did in front of a nice crowd. And the nation was watching that game. Oh, man. The big noon kickoff on Fox. Everybody was tuned in to see how that one was going to shake down. And, yeah, statement win for Coach Prime. And Colorado put this out, Buck. I thought this was pretty cool. This is part of the pregame speech that Deion Sanders gave in that CU locker room. Check this out. Because it's not about them. This is about us. This has nothing to do with the team that's opposing us. This is about us. This ain't got nothing to do with the naysayers, the, the unbelievers, the haters. The doubters, this is about us. When we started this journey, we told you it was gonna be trying, it was gonna be tough, but you endured because it's about us. That man next to you is a miracle. That man next to you is a believer. That man next to you is a go-getter. That man next to you is a dog. That man next to you is somebody who wants this thing. That man next to you is somebody who believes. That man next to you is somebody that gots to have it today. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I'm ready to run through a brick wall, man. I got goosebumps sitting here in 100-degree heat in Austin, Texas because of that from Deion Sanders. So he's – give him credit, man. I mean, what he did at Jackson State was tremendously impressive. And I, I, I think it's so cool that he took that job, and he did a lot for HBCUs, man. He had more people talking about HBCUs than just about any coach in the history yes. of college football. And then he takes the risk. He takes the leap up to the FBS level takes the job in a power five conference at Colorado. A lot of doubters, a lot of naysayers. He talked about it. it I'm one. I'm him. one of them. Sure. It wasn't just towards him. It was towards the players and the way they built that program. And uh, yeah, that was absolutely a statement made by coach prime in Colorado on Saturday. In well, Fort Worth. The, the things that young people can do when they're inspired. I mean, that's whether they're football players, whether it's academics. I mean, if you can inspire young people, they, the, the, the sky's the limit for them. You know, they have the energy, they have the abilities, they have the mindset to get things done. And if you can inspire young people, that's what you get. That's what you get, what you saw on Saturday. Yeah, is, is what you can do when you, when you can inspire youngsters, whether it's men or women. Just find ways to have people that can inspire them. And that's what happened on Saturday. Yep. And that you was said an inspired it, yeah. bunch of players. Oh, Saturday. no doubt about it. You said it with TCU. I mean, they played in five or six of those games last year, and they won all of them. That's Yeah, and that's what – I mean, they were in the thick of things again Saturday. I mean – to me, I thought they still were going to find a way to win because they're used to winning in games like that. But there was a group that just believed just a little bit more and had a little bit more athleticism and had a pretty good coaching staff that got it done. I don't know if they can do that every week. We'll see. I'm still saying I'm, I'm not a doubter any longer about the way that they handle, they handle things because Deion Sanders was brought there for one purpose, to win football games. That's what coaches get. They, You know, you can be nice guys and you can – you, you like to have all of that in one. You like to have your coach be the great guy, the great motivator, the great inspiration, the great leader. But what basically what universities bring coaches to do is win games. And if he can win games, his way is going to work. 
Yeah. It's going to work for the, it's going to work for the fans. They're going to follow him. Oh my God. You kidding me? Like season ticket sales, if they weren't already sold out, they are now. uh, Oh, for sure. Field in Colorado. And how about the week two matchup for the buffs? You know who they play on Saturday? Oregon, Nebraska. Oh, oh no. Matt rule and company going to Colorado, the home debut for coach prime that is an 11 a.m wow. kickoff on fox i think that's where fox big noon kickoff is going it is to be. yeah it is by the way that is the pac-12 showed itself this weekend too and and the oregons and the oregon states and the usc's of the world and yeah. the cows they're going out fighting too about a 12 and a week for the pac-12 yeah they were the most impressive conference in college football. Now, a lot of their opponents were cupcakes, but still, Utah, the nice win against Florida last Thursday. Colorado, the massive win, one of the biggest upsets of the opening week of the college football season. They looked good. UCLA pulled away from Coastal Carolina. Oregon State, man, don't sleep on the Beaver. I know you never sleep on the Beaver, Buck. Any chance I get. <laughs> don't sleep on the Beavs, man. They got DJU. DJU Youngalale is the quarterback there now. And they got and, some main uh, defense of that group now. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's a, that's a bunch that won, I think, nine games last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're a top 20 team in college football. They had a really solid quarterback with DJU is not as good as people thought he was going to be out of high school. And obviously, Austin's own Kate Klubnick won that job from him. And he's the guy at Clemson now. And that's why DJU had to hit the portal. But that's a good Oregon State team, man. Kudos to the Pac-12, because obviously there's been a lot of turmoil uh, around their conference over the last few weeks. And they uh, every single one of those schools found a way to get the job done on Saturday. Let, let me ask you about something about the Texas game and the Texas quarterback. Did you think Quinn Ewers looked smooth? Is he just not a smooth player? I thought he looked a little clumsy still at times, a little, a little clunky. You know what I mean? He doesn't look like the guy who's going to escape and ever be able to set his feet again. You know what yeah. I mean? Once yeah. he has to, once he has to throw, moving around, he doesn't look like a guy who can really set his feet forward to throw. It's always going to be off balance. He's always going to look like he's about to go down. I mean, it just it just seems that way to me. Yeah, well, that was the he's tweet not that I had. Pat. I had a tweet on Saturday that uh, upset some Longhorn fans, and it got a good amount of reaction. Um, I tweeted out right as Texas was going into the locker room at the break. New hair, new diet, same Quinn Ewers. And I think a lot of people took that as, oh, BK thinks Quinn Ewers sucks. No, that's that's not what the tweet was at all. It just looked like the same Quinn Ewers we saw last year, where mm-hmm. really he's got talent. Like, he can make some throws now. and He can make some plays. And you see, at times, why he was one of the highest-graded recruits in the history of recruits. But also, the inconsistencies are still there. The deep ball is still an issue. Uh, the footwork at times is still an yeah. issue. And, yeah, the accuracy just isn't where we want it to be. So that wasn't a, oh, Quinn Ewers sucks tweet. And a lot of people are like, dude, look at his stats and look at this, this, and this. He's not that bad. That wasn't a, oh, we need to see Malik Murphy or Arch Manning out there tweet. That was no. a, man, all, all off season long, we had just heard about how much Quinn Ewers had improved how much he had changed. And obviously he looks different. You could tell that he shed 20 pounds, the hair and the beard. That's obvious. But I wanted to see more differences on the field from Quinn Ewers. And we didn't, we just kind of saw the guy that we saw last year, who at times was really good, but also clearly has some issues that held him back. And that was the case against Rice on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, and you, and you also have to make your quarterback look good as a, as a, as a wide receiver running back. I mean, he had Brooks in the hands on a, on just a, a, a simple, you know, quick slant out. 
by the running back where you catch and you just go down the sideline. If Brooks catches that ball, it couldn't have hit him any better. Nobody can say it was behind him. It was too high for him. Dude, it hit him right where it needed to be. That was a really, really nice pass. Those are tough passes to throw those outside like slant routes to running backs when they're on the move. You're backing up and you throw. He threw that one. I don't know if he had his, set, his feet set or not. All I know, it hit the hit the running back in the hands, with the with, and it hit him in a position BK where it would have taken him right into his motion outside and down the sideline, and nobody was going to catch him because I've seen Brooks now catch those type of passes and and nobody can catch him, and he dropped it. It was a flat out drop. So you've got to help the quarterback when people think he struggles. Your job is to catch it, and boy, that was one that they let get away, and that yeah. may have said that that may have changed things unto itself right there because that would have been that was in the first half that was that was not that late in the in the you know like in the in the quarter of the second quarter that was still in the first quarter ball hits him right dead smack in the hands and he drops the son of a gun yeah because he'd already caught one i mean he'd already had a run that was spectacular i that hurts that hurts when 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 you when you end up talking about your quarterback and then he throws one that's not his fault and a receiver drops it or a running back drops it now I'm not expect running backs aren't receivers, but you can't miss that one. Damn, it can't hit you any better. No. I mean, if you've been practicing those all all for all of your life, and you want this is where you want the quarterback to throw the ball, and it hits you there, and it's like you're trying to catch it with your feet. I mean, it just was bad. It was a bad look, yeah. and that hurt the quarterback right there. So, but yeah. then you know what about you know what he did about that? He went right over to him and spoke to him and said, "Hey, you'll get the next one. We'll get because there's going to be plenty of those." this season for that kid. Cause that kid can catch generally that kid can catch and run when he's got his momentum going forward. So yeah, that was a four point swing, right? Yes, Instead of a touchdown, it ends up being a uh, field goal attempt from sideshow Bob, AKA Burt Auburn. That, that guy's hair is something else, man. But yeah, that hurt. And that was just part of the choppiness and sloppiness we saw from Texas offensively in the first half. And you're right. Ewers didn't do anything wrong there. I mean, for, for all of Ewers' faults, he didn't get a ton of help from the guys around him on Saturday. And no, the O-line, I see a couple of comments right now. Like, hey, Ewers, it's, it's his footwork, his mechanics, if he doesn't have time to throw the football, then it's going to be hard for things to look vastly different than what we saw last year, and I agree with that 100%. Uh, the O-line's got to be better. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks has to catch that pass, and, uh, yeah, Texas needs more from the guys around him. Let me ask you this, though, Buck, because I, I got a couple of texts, and, and you could call these guys Fairweather fans or whatever the hell you want to call them, but a couple of people were texting me at halftime asking if – I thought the Longhorns should make a move at quarterback to go to Malik Murphy. No, I never to... thought that. I just thought it was game one. No, it wasn't time to do that. They were going to win that football game. I never thought that they were in trouble of losing the football game. And you've got to stick with the guy that you chose to be your quarterback. You're not going to drag him out of that game. Right. When you know you can win that game. I mean, yeah. no, he's I mean, still, Malik, he's still Malik the best Murphy quarterback got, on this he, team. Yeah, Malik Murphy got a chance to play in that game. He got a chance to see what he could do. He was okay. I mean, he, he wasn't dazzling when he came into the game, but the starter was okay enough if he got a little help and did some things, you know, that he's supposed to do, then that game would have been just fine. And if the offensive line, they would have ran the ball, they never would have had to even pass the ball. They could have run for 300 yards. You know, mm-hmm. before the game, I thought they were going to run for four touchdowns. Then I thought Quinn Ewers was going to throw, what did I say, for five touchdowns, four or five touchdowns in that game? Yeah. Well, what did he end up throwing for? Three touchdowns? Three and he ran for one. And he ran too. for one. So I mean, they got to the four, which I thought from him. It's just they didn't run the ball. They couldn't run against Rice. Yeah, that, was, that's disturbing to me. 
that this this football team that has had a great runner for the last couple of years, now they've got three decent runners and they've got an offensive line that has a, a year of maturity are leaning on kids from Rice. They're leaning on 260 pounders. They weren't moving those guys. They were leaning on those guys in the run game. That was what was disappointing to me yeah. is the fact that some of the one-on-one blocks, they couldn't beat those guys in the one-on-one blocks. How are you going to beat Alabama's guys one-on-one? Yeah, 39 carries for 158 yards for Texas. That's 4.1 yards per carry. That's not carry. good enough against Rice. No, no. We were we were hoping for at least five, if not six-plus per carry on Saturday. And, yeah, it goes to just the inconsistent play of the offensive line up front. So, yeah, that was uh, that was underwhelming, man. That's that's the biggest question mark. I think every Texas fan has leaving that game is what about the offensive line? Because I was hoping, and I think all of us were hoping that now nah, the O line was not going to be an issue this year. Like that was not something we were going to have to talk about. You know, obviously there are some questions about this Texas team, but O line shouldn't have been one of them. No, the they had all five starters back from last year. The fact that they've got all of that talent. Hell, we felt like they were seven or eight deep on the offensive line and the fact that they just, they got pushed around, but also the communication was as bad as it was. I mean, those guys look like they had never seen a twist or a stunt in their life. Oh, they're going to see a bunch this week. Yeah. All of that stuff combined, just it led to a lot of the offensive struggles in the first half. And yeah, it leads you to worry a lot about Texas and Alabama. Like that's that, that's what stinks, Buck. Like if, if you don't think Texas has a chance this weekend, you're wrong. Like I'm, I'm sorry. Texas absolutely has a chance to go into Tuscaloosa and win this game. They've got enough talent on this roster to get the job done. We saw them almost do it with a backup quarterback last year here in Austin. I get it. It's different. It's in Tuscaloosa. I know. But Texas, if you're telling yourself the Longhorns have no shot, then I'm sorry because they absolutely do. But if they play like they did on Saturday – then oh no, they're gonna be by two touchdowns, three it, touchdowns. Yeah, like if the offensive line is as bad as it was on Saturday and the deep shots aren't there, and yeah, some of the issues that plagued the offense, the defense was great. Some of the issues that plagued the offense in the first 30 minutes, if that stuff happens against Alabama, then you are going to get run out of the building. And so you are gonna see fan, Malik Murphy, you are gonna see Malik Murphy in that game if they block the way they did on Saturday. Yeah, not because yours isn't playing bad, but because yours no. won't be able to stay upright. So no, like, you will see him if you want to see him. If they block the way they blocked yeah. this week, that's you'll get a chance to see him. And they've got to be able to run the ball. By the way, for this defense, as you know, giving up that le- late touchdown, I don't want to give up anything to Rice. I don't want to give up shit to them. I don't care if it's fourth quarter or not. I don't care if you got your fifth string in there. You don't give up anything to them. Don't give them a touchdown in the football game. Don't get, because you're going to be going up against one of the best running backs this week in the country who plays quarterback at Alabama. He's mm. one of the best runners in college football, forget oh. him as a quarterback that you're going to see a dynamic runner period. This week. Him the Lamar Jackson treatment. Okay. Oh. Bill Polian. Oh yeah. This guy can go now. I, I, I know his abilities as a thrower are just kind of, eh, but that dude's ability as a runner, he can go. He's, he's one of the best runners in football right now in yeah. college football. Now, as a thrower, he's just a thrower. Yeah. I mean, a guy who can throw it down the field, but as an elite football player, when it comes to skill set and running and agility, that guy can go. So your defense is going to have to play even much better than what we thought they played this week, obviously. The defense was great on Saturday. Like the the last drive that you're talking about, 14 plays, 62 yards. I mean, it was a nine and a half minute drive. Like it, it took Rice nine minutes and 30 seconds to score 
a touchdown on one drive against Texas. So, like, of course, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm glad they scored, right? I wish they kept them out of the end zone for the four quarters. But, like, there, there's not really anything I saw from the defense that has me freaking out about Alabama. Like, I, I feel the same way about Texas's defensive chances now. Hell, I honestly feel a little bit better about Texas's defense now than I did at this time on Friday. I'm not saying you're wrong. Jalen Milrow's fast as hell. He provides, like, JT Daniels was a statue back there, Buck. Yes. Like, Jalen Milrow provides a whole other set of challenges for this Longhorn defense. So it's going to be a complete 180 from what the Longhorns saw on Saturday. But, no, nah, I, like, I, I'm not losing any sleep over the uh, second and third teamers giving up a touchdown drive late in the fourth quarter. That took nine and a half minutes. I thought the defense passed just about every single test. There were a I couple of players. There were a couple of players, and, Buck, you and I were talking about this before we get on the air today. And we can get into this, but a couple of players that didn't do as well as we wanted them to do, like Baron Sorrell. Uh, shout out to Barry Sorrell, the father of Baron Sorrell. He actually came into the chat room during Trey and BK last week and said his son was going to have three sacks against Rice. And I'm like, all right, speak it into existence, baby. Manifest that thing. Yeah. And uh, Baron Sorrell, like, we, we barely saw him. We barely saw him on Saturday. That's the best edge rusher on this Texas team. He wasn't the best edge rusher on Saturday. No. Uh, Alfred Collins, he had that awesome PBU where he got right in JT Daniels' face and swatted that shit that was out the of midair. Play of the play of the day for him. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. But that, that, that was the play. That, that was the only play it felt like Alfred Collins made, and it just didn't feel like he was on the field that much. He was so. in for about 19 or 20 snaps and was just I, – I thought he would fall no. into at least two tackles, three tackles. Yeah, He didn't. He didn't have any assists. He was just there. You know, yeah. sweat was fantastic. I mean, he took up eight gas. Yeah. There are obviously some good performances. Tavondre Sweat oh, yeah. maybe had the best game of his Texas career. I mean, that guy was a nightmare. And Rice, even if they were double teaming him or triple teaming him, they just could not find a way to keep Tavondre Sweat out of the backfield. The linebacker is always going to be good. He's just he's just has a, a sense and a nose for the football. Yeah. Oh, Jalen Ford. How about that one-handed pick oh, yeah. that he had, man? I mean, that was a big play. For, uh, for the Texas defense. And that was that was a really good from this Longhorn defense. Three takeaways. Like, that that is huge. That's what you want to see. I mean, you'd love to get multiple takeaways in every game. And Sark Absolutely. talked about that after the game, too. Like, their magic number is three. But if we can end up with two takeaways in every single game this season, we really like our chances to win. You win the turnover battle three to nothing like Texas did. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Obviously, it helps that you're playing Rice. But if you win the turnover battle that's by right. three against anybody, you're, you're going to win 99 times out of 100. So yes, it's good that Texas protected the football, but also defensively, yeah, the fact that they were able to force two interceptions and uh, a fumble was big time. And you're right, Jalen Ford, he was the best player on, on, on the defense for Texas. Shouldn't surprise anybody. He was, uh, he was last year. Player. Yeah, he was the best player for Texas defensively. He should have been the Big 12D player of the year last year. Uh, he just picked up right where he left off. And I pulled up to Vondre Sweat's numbers real quick, Buck. Highest rated pass rusher and highest rated run defender for Texas. Five tackles, three pressures, two hits, and one hurry. That guy was a problem. And after the game, reporters talked to Devondre Sweat in the locker room. He said, I feel like I did average. I feel like I could do a lot more. I'm ready to get back to work on Monday. Yeah, his physicality was, was I mean, it was taking two or three of those guys to handle him up front. I mean, he was in JT Daniels' face every time he went back to pass. On, on every play, he had a pressure. It seems like every time they went back, anything on the, on that side of the line of scrimmage, he owned, and that that was good to see. I thought he was I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, you know, and 
I know they substituted a lot in this game, but I was I was waiting to see Alfred Collins. 19 snaps, 20 snaps. I'm like, dude, come on. Get in there for at least 40 snaps. If you're the guy that they talked about, you know, during the course of, uh, of uh, you know, fall camp, then you're playing more than 19 snaps against Rice. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird, right? Like, I wanted to see more from Alfred Collins, and and we get it, obviously, acknowledging just how hot it was outside. I think that was a part of why the snap counts looked like what they did. But I was hoping to see more snaps from Alfred Collins. I was also to see more impact from these snaps from Alfred Collins as well. And, and, and another – like they, they won by 27. So calling stuff that disappointing True. is, you know, whatever. But another relatively disappointing element from that game on Saturday for me was just the lack of freshmen who played early on. Like I, I feel like we didn't see Jonte Cook until Malik Murphy got into the game. Right. Uh, I think Anthony Hill only played like six or seven snaps. Like CJ Baxter obviously started. Unfortunately, he got hurt. So, it, you know, it's not like there were no freshmen who got the chance to play. Uh, Malik Muhammad was into the game on the third series and he made a couple of plays, which was really good to see. It looks like the hype surrounding that kid is absolutely real, but I, I was hoping to see, you know, more freshmen get uh, more significant playing time in that game on Saturday. And maybe part of the reason why we didn't was because, well, Texas couldn't quite pull away in the first half of that one. But, Coach is uh, a little nervous. Coach is getting a little nervous then, you know. AV, yeah. And it's like, I, I thought for sure we'd see those guys play a lot and then boom, it's like, all right, no, we feel good about four or five of these guys getting significant run against Alabama because they just looked so good in the season opener. Yes. Now, you know, I, I, CJ Baxter, if he's healthy, he's going to play. Malik Muhammad's going to play a little bit. I, I don't know how much of those other guys, though, we're going to see in that game this weekend. I think we might have to wait a little bit longer to really see a lot of this freshman class come in there and be a big part of things. All in all, it was a good football win. They're 1-0. and They're tied for first place. And Baylor, Texas Tech – Come on, Tech. Really? Wyoming? The Cowboys? Before we go around the Big 12, let's give some love to a few more sponsors. How about about our our friends at AB Consultations? AB Consultations is one of the largest dealers of most television and audio brands. They've got the hottest items in stock, as I said, in stock just for you. And don't try this yourself. Don't go out and buy a TV from some big box store and then get the mounts and everything else and get your next door neighbor and you start drilling holes in your walls. You don't have to do that. AB Consultation has the smart TVs and Sonos equipment. And Tom McKay is not raising prices like some of the big box stores. As soon as they get that Sonos equipment in that they've been waiting for for weeks and months, they'll start jacking up the price. Tom will not do that to you. Go to those pros. They are the smart guys that don't make you feel stupid. Make the call today to 512-255-8678. It's AB Consultations. Yep, shout out to Tom McKay. He gave my cousin a tip yesterday. We talked on the phone for a few minutes, and he's like, everyone's picking LSU in this game tonight, but I'm on Florida State. And show enough, he was right. (laughs) Big win for the uh, Florida State cinnamon rolls against LSU last night. That was pretty dominant. Shout out to AV Consultations. And shout out to Altstad Beer. I was drinking a few Altstads at my buddy's place, watching the Texas game on Saturday. Had a few Altstads last night. I was up way later than I needed to be on a Sunday night before an early morning show. But Altstadt Beer, my choice of beer through football season, it should be yours as well. They've got a bunch of different brews, something for every beer drinker out there. And hopefully for your tailgates, for your watch parties, you were fully stocked with Altstadt. If not, get ready for the big game this weekend with Altstadt Beer. Every single beer is brewed with just four simple ingredients. There are no additives. There are no preservatives in any 
of the Altstadt family of beers so you can feel good about what you're putting into your system. But more importantly, you can enjoy what you're putting into your system. It's a fantastic beer. Guys and gals, one sip and you won't go back to the other beers you have been drinking in the past. It's Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. And a big game it is this weekend. And we will be out at Covert out in BK for a Friday meet and greet. We're treating it like a home game. Michael Griffin is going to join us uh, for about a, uh, 45 minutes to an hour out there. We'll start from either 1030, 1045. But, folks, this is a great opportunity to have some barbecue, get an opportunity to meet Michael Griffin. He'll, he'll sign a few autographs. Please don't bring four or five jerseys out there to have that done. Bring a ball. Bring a jersey. Don't, don't empty out the closet to have Michael sign it. But he looks forward to talking, talking some Alabama, Texas-Alabama football this weekend. And we'll do that Fridays of home games out there in B Cave. Come and join us. Buy a car. Buy a Ram truck. I know all you dove hunters out there in your Ram trucks this weekend. Now this is your weekend to come hang out with us. And Fridays we'll do that meet and greet. As I said, we'll start between 1130 and 1145 out there on B Cave. And it is absolutely beautiful out that way. Nice drive out 71. And bang, you're right there. Join us for about an hour. And then be on your way back to work like a lot of you aren't doing today. I'm doing your job today. I'm laboring on Labor Day. This mm. is unlabor day for you, but for me, it's Labor Day. So it's because our boss is a jerk. Come on, you jerk! Why yeah. am I here today? I hate that guy. I don't know. Talk to the boss, man. I, I don't make these decisions. It's somebody else who makes the call here. That's because we have to give away things to you, and we'll yep. be giving away stuff in the pregame show next Saturday too. We'll be right out in B Cave again for Saturday's broadcast, and it is a seven o'clock game. So we'll be working at five, correct? Uh, we, will be, we will start at four thirty. Pre-game 430? show will be from four thirty to six thirty. How you like Saturday. that? Well, a post-game, of course, as well, right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We're giving our stuff away during the pregame, but once again, when we get to five thousand subscribers, we're going to be giving away a ton of stuff. So if you haven't subscribed yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. If you haven't told your friends yet, come on, help us out. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and uh, get them invested in Texas Sports Unfiltered. We've got a phenomenal team. Once again, starting today, we're going 8-5 to five on the channel. That's right. No breaks. You don't have to touch that dial. Nobody listens to the radio anyways anymore. Watch on YouTube. Watch on the app. Keep us up all day, every day. We've got you covered right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Filtered a couple of debut shows today, too. Right after us, Chaos Theory with Wags and Rodney. Then we've got Hanging with Harge from 11 to noon. And then from 3 to 5, it'll be Trey and Jeff Howe on the unnamed afternoon show right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. So super excited to roll out three new programs today. But you teased it. Let's go around the Big 12 real quick. All right. Uh, where do we begin? Should we start with your Mark U? Sorry about that, Brett. Oh, oh. sorry <laughs> about that. Has anybody checked on the commish to see if he is okay from what happened in Laramie, Wyoming? He gave on the Saturday. Oh, he gave the post game speech. Oh, what Flew happened there, Texas Tech? I thought Big Twelve ran through Lubbock. I thought this was y'all's year. What's going on, man? Oh, you gave it to them, didn't you? Oh, dude, I called and texted so many of my tech friends after that game. It was glorious. Oh, my God, I can't stand them. And 
That was beautiful. And I'm like, hey, don't worry, guys. We'll avenge that loss for you in a couple of weeks when Wyoming comes to town. We'll take care of you guys. That's what Big Brother does. You know, when Little Brother needs help, Big Brother steps in and gets the job done. That's what Texas will do against Wyoming here in uh, two weeks in Austin. But that was, I mean, Tech was up. It wasn't like, you know, Tech struggled and they, uh, Tech Tech was up 17 to nothing in that game. It looked like they they were going to cruise to a victory. And then they just completely fall apart. They couldn't stop all of those white uh, white Wyoming boys, just a bunch of white boys picking them apart. And they get the win, a fourth down touchdown and double overtime. And then they go for two and convert. That was. Did they run that football in? Did they run that football on the two point conversion? Really? Yep. On that. Ran it in on that. That defense is supposed to be so good. Yep. Yep. How about that? The uh, the Big Twelve now runs through Laramie, Wyoming, apparently. And boy, just a just a bad look for Texas Tech, man. With all of the trash that not only their fans, because their fans, they're the Eagles fans of college football. They talk trash every year. But with the coach and with the players, I mean, they they were talking themselves up a lot. Confidence is fine. But when you talk yourself up like that, you better be able to back it up. And when you can't even beat Wyoming, dude, that was embarrassing for Texas Tech and the and folks my, in Lubbock. And, and BK, my worries about the Baylor Bears late in the season, I'm not worried as much any longer because I don't think they're going to get that much better after what I saw on Saturday. I mean, really? Way to sick them, cats. Way to get after them. How about that? Texas State. So everybody's talking about Colorado and all of the turnover they had, and rightfully so. That's a massive, massive story. But Texas State was right behind Colorado in terms of the most players they got in the portal in all of college football. And they've got a first-year head coach and G.J. Kinney, who actually played a year of college football at Texas before transferring to Tulsa to be their quarterback for a few years. Uh, First game as a head coach. And boom, he leads the Texas State Bobcats, eat them up, cats, into Waco. And they, do they beat the brakes off of Baylor, man. I'm telling they you. Need to, they, they need to join the Big 12. They looked like the Big 12 team while Baylor looked like the G5 team. Like, they were dominating Baylor in the trenches. This was no fluke. Texas State was the much better team. Baylor couldn't run the football on Saturday. And Blake Shapin looked inconsistent, which we've seen a lot from him over his college career. But yeah, Texas State, man, congrats to the Bobcats. I, God, people still drinking in the square, I'm sure. Oh, celebrating of course they are. What took place on Saturday. They have no day. They have no idea what day it is down there. But hell, party on. Texas State, that was uh, impressive for them. Fun belt. And you're right. Like, Trey Trey had, had I think, Baylor is the only loss for Texas this season. The conference yeah, I was, that was a team that I was worried about late in the season. Yeah, I think a lot bailing. of people were worried. It's not not late in the season. It's uh, it's the first conference game. Oh, I'm sorry. The first. I mean, I mean, the beginning of the season. First game. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm worried about the Baylor Bears. Yeah. I'm not worried about them. No, I know every week's different, and that game is in Waco, and obviously Baylor's going to have all the motivation in the world to find a win against Texas. And the last time the Longhorns played at Waco. They lost. Yes, but you're right. I mean, I I, I think uh, a lot of people who were like you. Worried about that conference opener for Texas well, here in now, a couple of weeks. Now I'm now. starting to, why am I worried about Texas Tech at Thanksgiving? Except for the commissioner will be in town and he'll be throwing out dollar bills, y'all, to the, you know, to the officials that game. So maybe that's the one I should really be worried about because they're going to need a win probably to make it to a bowl game around that time. <laughs> Are they going to be five and six coming well, to Austin on I think Black they, Friday? I think, I think they take on Oregon. No, is it – who do they play this week? Oregon. Ooh. Yeah, could be 0-2 for Texas Tech. Wow. 
Yeah, no, they, Pac- they needed that one against Pac- Wyoming. Pac-12 powerhouses out there. Yeah, the Pac-12 looked really, really good. What about around the rest of the Big 12? We talked about TCU losing the stunner to Colorado, and, man, we can't talk about the Buffs enough. I mean, that is the story of college football right now. But the rest of the Big 12, there were really only a, a, a couple of teams that really impressed me. And Texas didn't impress me that much on Saturday with the way that they played, right? We've talked about it a lot. We'll get back into the Longhorns here in a couple of moments. But there were only two teams that really took care of business on Saturday. Oklahoma was one of them. I mean, they beat the brakes off of Arkansas State. Yes, they did. 73 to nothing, the final score in Norman. No, they didn't let anybody score in the fourth quarter. They were like, no, you're not scoring, period. They they called off the dogs. Uh, They also, yeah, you're right. Oklahoma didn't give up a late garbage-time touchdown like Texas did, but they also only scored seven points themselves. I mean, they called off the dogs in the second half of that one. That game was over by the end of the first quarter. That was dominant for OU. Now, I will say this about Oklahoma. They started last year with a 45-13 win over UTEP, a 33-3 win over Kent State, and a 49-14 win in Lincoln, Nebraska. And everybody was like, oh, Oklahoma's awesome, and hey, maybe they're better off without Lincoln Riley. And Brent Venables is the dude. Well, we know how the year ended for Oklahoma. They were 6-7. and It was their worst year since the 90s. And they've got that soft schedule again this year. Yeah, but I'm not going to sit here. Look, I think Oklahoma's going to be good. Uh, I think they're one of the three best teams in the Big 12 um, I think they're going to be a lot better than what they were last year, but I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you that Oklahoma is all of a sudden really, really good. And they've got all of their problems solved just because of what they did on Saturday, but they were great. And K state was also great. I mean, they played yeah. Southeast Missouri state, but they won 45 to nothing. Will Howard, who uh, was one of the best quarterbacks in the conference in the second half of last season. He looked really, really good. The K state defense pitched a shutout. Those were the only two teams that uh, really, really impressed me. Now, I will give Houston a lot of credit. Like, them beating UTSA, that's a, that's a nice win. That is a nice win. It was a three-point game. It was ugly. It was a slugfest. It was 17-14. to 14. My cousin had the under – or, excuse me, my cousin had the over. Uh, and he wishes he had the under. I'll give Houston some love, too, because that was a solid victory wearing those Oilers jerseys. You see those? The Columbia blue for the Cougs on Saturday? Not even near the colors of their school, but is that what Houston? Is that what all of Houston is doing now? Are they going uh, Oiler blue now? Is that what they're, is that, is that the new fad for them? Well, I don't like it though. Yeah, that's not an every week thing. That was just a week one thing, but they look pretty sweet. I mean, uh, the, you know, people in Houston are mad that the Titans get to claim the history of the Houston Oilers, even though, you know, they play their football in Houston. That pisses me off. Maybe the Houston crowd needs to look at some pinstripe colors. <laughs> Maybe this is the color they need to be wearing. Pinstripe the colors? And, yeah, the blue and gray. Look, oh, that's get, what they need to be looking at. Maybe get, for a uniform. Get Jeter off the screen. <laughs> come on, Jeter. Way to come back this week, Jeter. God, yes. Congrats to your Yankees who did go into Houston and sweep the Astros. Not one, not two, but three games. Three games. Yes. And they're still in last place. Big wins for your Yankees to move from last place to last last place. place. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, All right. So there's kind of an around the Big 12 look. Uh, other big takeaways from week one of the college football season, Bucky, before we get back into the Longhorns a little bit? Florida State is for real after I, what I saw last night. And once again, the, the head coach of um, 
of LSU just can't get off the just can't get off on the in the first games. His first game against ranked teams have been absolutely awful, and it showed again last night. They just reared its ugly head. What a what a talented football team offensively, but Florida State was better in all 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 phases of the game: quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, running back, wide receivers. You know that looked like a Florida State team of old, kind of. You know, back in the day when they just had athletes everywhere. That defensive line was giving up absolutely nothing to LSU last night. No, and, and LSU's offense, you know, when they get towards the scoring zone or when they get on the other side of the 50s, is kind of hump, as I say. That was that was not very good display of offensive game planning on LSU's part because they had opportunities, BK, in that first half when they had the ball with turnovers. They were getting the ball in good field position. They couldn't score. Their yeah. offense just couldn't get anything going. Well, it was it was weird because I mean LSU had the lead at halftime, right? And it looked like we were in for a treat. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is going to be a four quarter game. This is going to come down to the wire, and it might be whoever has the ball last is going to win. And then Florida State just imposed its will on LSU in the second half, and they really got the ground game going. Right. The oh, offensive yeah. line just picked it up, and LSU, who has one of the best defensive fronts seemingly every year in college football. They started getting pushed around, and Florida State kind of got whatever it wanted offensively, and it was, defense it was, stepped up too. I mean, LSU couldn't run the football. No, it was all. weird to see Perkins, you know, the great player that LSU has, play so much inside linebacker last night. I'm like, why isn't that guy out on the edge trying to get to this quarterback that just kept moving around, you know, very mobile, really gutty in the pocket, real smart in the pocket. But why wasn't Perkins an outside rusher? I don't know what they were looking for. Were they looking to drop him in the zones? He dropped in the zones an awful lot last night, more so than rushing the passer, which is what he does best. Yeah, that was a little weird. That was a little weird for LSU, and I was not expecting that at all. I mean, I, I had LSU in the college football playoff. Well, maybe that's why they lost the way that they did, right? They Florida, got- State, Florida State can handle its business in the ACC, which they tend to lose games like to Wake Forest. You know, yeah. they, they'll, they'll end up doing that. That looks like a team on a, a little bit of a mission. It looks like the old Florida State team's from way back. I, I, I like the way they played last night. Yeah, I was very surprised. Yeah, Jordan Travis is, is a really, really good quarterback. And he well, showed he that. himself right into the Heisman race. Absolutely. That guy's a tremendous, tremendous talent. And, man, Mike Norvell, patience is a virtue, Buck. I mean, yes. every Florida State fan wanted that guy fired. Yes, and they did. Last year happens. He was very impressive. Florida State wins 10 games, and it feels like the tide is turning. They open up the year as a top-10 team in the country, and boom, they made a statement on a national stage in that standalone game last night. Yeah, that was a big-time win for them. And and it was kind of inevitable. Like, the winner of that game was going to be talked about as a potential college football sure. playoff team. But and the, the, and the loser that, has to run the table just about. Pretty much. But the fact that, like, they, they won that game the way that they did. Yes. I mean, with just the, what, 21, 31? 31 unanswered points in the second half of that one. Like if they, if Florida state beat LSU by a game winning field goal or the way that they did last year with that right. game winning blocked extra point, then it's all right. They're good, but like, okay, you know, whatever one game. But the fact that they just, once again, just destroyed LSU and dominated them in the trenches in that second half. And they had right. special team muffs. They, they screwed up a punt return again this year. When the one guy caught the ball over his head, they replaced him for a guy who just then fumbled it on the next punt to him. And I'm, I'm looking at FSU's schedule right now, Buck. They only have one other ranked opponent this year. Now, they have to go to Clemson. Uh, that's pretty early. That game is in September on the 23rd. Yes. That's a top-10 matchup right now. But that is the only 
ranked game that Florida State has the rest of the way. I'm trying to look at their other tough games. I mean, they host Miami late in the year. They have to play at Florida, but, you know, Florida looked awful against Utah on Thursday. So, yeah, no, things are uh, things are shaping up well for Florida State. They might have elevated themselves. They were number eight going into that game last night. They might vault up into the top five because of what they were able to pull off against sure. the Tigers. So, a big win for FSU, and you're right. They are now in the college football playoff conversation, whether you like it or not. I get it. We're not even fully through the first week of the season, but they uh, they looked really, really good. Other I mean, takeaways? I mean, Georgia looked good, of course. Alabama looked good. Those teams, Notre Dame is 2-0, and and they should with, with who they're playing. So that's that's just – I mean, the, the top-heavy teams did what they needed to do. I guess the most surprising out of all was the, the TCU loss to yeah. me. That was – I thought – I mean, I, I think Sonny Dyke's a good coach, but obviously they lost too many players. Yeah, they did. They did. They got lucky as hell last year. They probably right. should have lost two or three games. And the biggest thing is, yeah, they lost a ton of players. And they lost their Heisman runner-up quarterback. They lost their best running back. They lost their best receiver. They lost their best O-lineman. Uh, they lost a lot from that defense, including the Thorpe Award winner. Right. Like, uh, Yeah, no, I, I thought TCU was going to be a seven- or eight-win football team this year. And maybe they still will be, but I, I thought they'd find a way to win on Saturday. Two quick week one shout-outs, Buck. Okay. Um, Shout-out to... Your guys, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Whoa. The final second cover play. Way I mean, to I was, put that extra one on them, Coach. Oh, I was watching this game with some buddies. I had Penn State minus 21, and I had the over. And Penn State had a fourth down late in the game. They could have kicked the field goal, and that would have pushed the over, and I would have lost the spread. But I was I like, thought, I thought they were going to take a knee for sure. They were down at the, about the six yard line. Yeah. And I said, there is no way that coach Franklin is going to, to do that to West Virginia. He's going to take a knee run. The, the clock would run out. They took their backup quarterback and this dude humped it inside and scored a touchdown. Yes. I'm like, I was so Penn state into it then. Yep. And, and yeah, they, they got a pretty good, they got a pretty good football team, Penn state. They do. Yeah, they took care of West Virginia pretty handily. West Virginia might be the worst team in the Big 12. They've got some serious, serious issues. But a nice win and a nice cover for Penn State. Yeah, they go for it on fourth down. They pick it up. Like you, I'm assuming they're just going to kneel the clock out, and instead they keep running plays, and their backup quarterback gets into the end zone. To Is uh, this going to be the way of college football now? Do you need, though? You Obviously, in order to – if you think you're in the, in the national – trying to get to the playoffs, you are going to score those – you're not taking knees. You're scoring touchdowns. Way to go, Aggies. You must think you're in it for this year. Because there is another team that could have taken a knee that had a cover because they decided, oh, no, no, we're not going to take a knee. We're going to jam this thing in there for a score. Well, were you on New Mexico on Saturday? No, I was on the Aggies. Oh. Aggies Why are you complaining Penn, then? In Penn State. I'm not complaining. I'm just going, generally, our luck is, you know, because we are perennial losers as gamblers, that, oh, they're going to take a knee. You're going to start throwing things around the room. Why are you taking a knee? It's football score. And the Aggies did just that. They had an opportunity. They were already winning, BK. They, they could have taken – their line was 40. Yep. And they kept I got running to be that plays. High, I'll never know anyway. But I'm like, they're going to take it. Jimbo is going to take a knee. Oh, no. Too many people are talking bad about Jimbo. You know what he did? He stuck it in there in the end. He stuck it to him. He stuck it in there at the end. Yeah, good job. That's it. Hey, we're not taking knees anywhere in college football. If you're up by 60, who scored like 82 points this week, this weekend? 
There was a team uh, that scored. I think it was Oregon. Oregon put 82 or 81 on somebody. How do you do that to somebody? Hey. What? Play till the clock hits zeros, baby. No taking a knee this year, right? No, We're going to we be very disappointed in teams that, t- teams that take knees. No. Hey, you think <laughs> Iowa State's the only program that's betting? Come on now. These kids know the lines. They know what's going on. They're in on this. And it, I think, it, it, what is it this weekend? Is it Iowa State, Iowa this weekend? Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah I'm going to be all over that Iowa that. team. Iowa has the best betters because they kept more players on their team. <laughs> they had less suspensions. Oh, you think you think they were more successful at gambling, which is why less of their players yes. got suspended? That's right. Yeah, they were all betting on the Iowa women's basketball team. Way to go. Made it, made it all the way to the title game. And quick shout-out, by the way, before we get back to the Horns, uh, Mac Brown, North Carolina, big win for them. I mean, they, they ran away from South Carolina. In and Charlotte. played defense and played some good defense. They did, and, and Drake May looks the part. Uh, he was the better of the two quarterbacks on the field for sure at Bank of America Stadium. Mac Brown, Buck, got his 100th career win at North Carolina. He's the first coach in college football history to have 100 wins at two different programs. Obviously cracked the century mark at Texas before he left, and uh, in his two stints at UNC, he is now combined for 100 victories there. Congrats job, to Coach Matt. Brown for that. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, but before we get back into the horns and hear a little bit more from Steve Sarkeesian, including whether or not the issues are correctable by the time we get to the Alabama game next week, how about the chair you're sitting in, my friend? Yeah, how about this chair? Relax the back chair. You know, for years I've been needing uh, the right kind of support since I had thoracic surgery, and it's been difficult, but nothing gave me the comfort my back needed, and that's why I love relax the back, folks. It got They've had everything that you're looking for, chairs, They've got uh, mattresses. And right now, you know, BK, you know, they're having their sale, their Labor Day sale, $400 off select office chairs, $500 off zero gravity office chairs, and up to $700 on adjustable mattress sets, $500 off an office select massage chair. Go to Relax the Back, and there are two wonderful locations, folks, and they're right there in B Caves at the Hill Country Galleria across from Whole Foods and in Austin at the Gateway Shopping Center right across from the container store, live pain-free like the buck at Relax the Back. Live Love those pain. folks. And okay. we're going to have to get some Relax the Back chairs over there at the studios, BK, over in BK's at Covert, at the Covert Family Studios. We're going to have to go over there and get us some Relax the Back chairs. You didn't and like some, those and some, bl- and some blankets. Oh, man, it was cold in there at BK, wasn't it? It was. It's the coldest place. Like there are plenty of reasons to go see our friends at Covert BK, yes. but they've got the best AC in Central oh, yes, Texas. They do. <laughs> They're yeah. using it all, brother. Yeah, I was freezing in there. You had a blanket. I'm going to need to leave a parka, not just a jacket, but a parka <laughs> in there for our next free game show. Free game show with a parka on, yeah. My God, people are going to think we're crazy, but it was crazy gold. It was fantastic, though. What yeah. a setup. Absolutely, absolutely. And shout out to our friends at Last Stand Hats. I've got a Last Stand hat on right now. Uh, gear up for the college football season with those badass hats from Hats.com. They've got all of the UT designs, plus Texas State and Texas Tech. I don't know if you want one of those hats today. ECU, I don't know if you want one of those hats today. But a bunch of different schools around the area, they've got officially licensed awesome hats on site at laststandhats.com. Plus, if you're a golfer, they've got these buttery soft golf polos that look spectacular 
as well. I'm telling you, you buy one of these. These are the only golf polos you are going to buy. Go find them at laststandhats.com. Very interesting. Yesterday, we were, went out to take some photos out at, uh, at the Capitol right off of Congress right there. And to be on those grounds, you know, I'd only been on those grounds maybe one or two other times, but I, I've never walked around. I've never gone through a, a tour. I mean, I've been inside the Capitol in the rotunda there, but I've never gone on a tour around the grounds. So about that's about as far as I've gone around those grounds. And what a spectacular, beautiful place that is we have right uh-huh. here in this city. That is, I mean, the trees there, the, the magnolia trees, the oaks. You know me, I love all that gardening stuff. It was beautiful. Those things are, that place is immaculate there. You know what I mean? I, I was an adamant, had to elbow any protesters, you know, just a couple guys going down through Congress Street. Austin, Texas on a Sunday morning is gorgeous. Downtown Austin. I know it can get a little hectic around here and it's starting to get like big cities. As the one guy that was going down the same way I was going down, kind of reached out and got ready to touch me. And I said, I will F you up if you put your hands on me on what? Sunday morning. I'm serious. I'm walking down the bicycle lane, you know, because they were spraying the streets and getting all the piss and crap off the sides of the street where people are having to have their homes. But it is it is a really very nice city on a Sunday morning. It was kind of nice to walk downtown and, and head over to the Capitol grounds, which is, you know, as I said, some guy reached out because I said good morning to him. He then wanted to reach out and put his hands on me. And I had to say, no, 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 no. A, a, a good morning is good enough. This was not at a urinal. This was out in public. <laughs> he wanted to reach over, like touch hands or like bump fist or something. But I was like, I will jack you up if you reach over here like this. You wouldn't but shake I, the guy's hand? No. And oh, the man, you were introducing yourself. You started the conversation with the I hell. Did. You better shake his hand if he sticks no, no, his no. hand out. He was reaching too high for my hand. He wanted to put his hand like on my shoulders and have it like, you know, like, you know, the dad who talks to his teenage son about that, that prom going out at the prom that the night. Birds or and the, you think a hobo wanted to have the birds and the bees conversation with you? He was leaning in too close, man. I had to back him up with my words. He's trying and to see he, if your heart was beating, right? Maybe something oh, like that. Oh, trying, to, trying to give you a hug. Come on, oh, man. man. That dude might have tried to shank me or something. I don't know that. Well, hey, a, a pleasant hello on the streets of Austin that early in the morning. When you're messing around with dudes, you know, is different. Just uh, hello. We're passing, but we're ships in the night. Pass right by a hello. No, not a stop and then kind of reach. Oh, no. No. Yeah, stop you know, messing around with dudes, especially <laughs> homeless dudes, man. That's yeah. you can't do that. The grounds of the the grounds of the Capitol, very nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thankfully you didn't get shanked. I wish I saw that. I wish we had man. that on video of you. Literally, this homeless guy. He probably is a huge fan, man. Probably has listened to you talk about. I don't know who the hell I am for years, and he's like, "Fucky Godbolt, my idol, my role model. This is the guy." And I have the chance to shake his hand. He just said hi to me. Now I get to shake his hand, and you're like, "Dude, get the back! I will jack you! (laughs) I will jack your ass up!" Are you kidding me? That guy smelled like a bottle of JD. I mean, he was (laughs) that guy was staggering in the lane. That's the deal. If he wasn't staggering, if he was keeping a straight line like I was in the wrong, you know, in the bicycle lane, which I, you know, if you get in a bicycle lane downtown in Austin, Texas, you're liable to be arrested for walking in a bicycle lane because cyclists got to have their lanes. You know, that's a thing. Can you actually get arrested for that? In Austin, of course, you can't be walking where the cyclists are. 
Well, I guess walking. You, maybe if your wheel of your car touches that, that's where you go to jail. Mm. But no, I wouldn't have any. No, you know, when we saw our boys out there, you know, it was good to see the staff and get some hugs. I was a little skeptical about some of those drunkards. You know what I mean? <laughs> Taking pictures. I they wanted. To, I was like wanted to fist bump. Guys wanted to hug. And I'm like, come on, back your drunk ass away from me. You know, nine, it was nine in the morning on a Sunday. Yeah, I know. Like anybody was drunk yesterday, <laughs> dude. This true? Are you kidding me? <laughs> maybe hung over, or maybe smelling like weed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we definitely have a few of those in this in this bunch. Wow. It was a lot of fun. Shout out to photographer Steve. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll give dude. him some love a lot moving forward. Great dude. He came by, took some photos. I posted one. We're on Instagram, by the way. Finally at Texas Sports Unfiltered to so go check us out on Instagram. Also follow us on Twitter at TS Unfiltered. You can find a little sneak peek photo that uh, we posted yesterday, but more of those to come. And uh, yeah, got a great crew. And you're right, man. That was that was the first time I'd been to the Capitol in, I, I don't know. Since like, you were drunk running through it. Honestly, running away from somebody. Probably walking home from 6th Street to West Campus in college was the last <laughs> time I'd been that close to the Capitol building. And I didn't even know they opened it. Like, when, when Steve was like, well, let's meet at the Capitol to take these pictures, I'm like, what, are we just going to stand outside the gate? Like, these these aren't going to look All the rest good. of the protesters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they open the gates, and you can walk around, and the trees, and the great. It's beautiful, man. They've, they've done a good job with that place. Yeah, and, and the alarms didn't go off. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know the trees have eyes, so I kept having to watch what I was saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, didn't want, I didn't want security to come down there and say, oh, we've got you on tape back here in the back. Well, with really? Wags' history, too, I'm like, oh, yeah, we, we're with that dude. I thought worry, we were all going to be arrested. Don't worry, that guy has, like, been banned from, uh, Come on, from man. Capitol Grouse there. Oh, man. All right, real quick, uh, who else should we That's get Capitol he was at was on the 6th of January a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does anyone know where Wags was on January 6th, 2021? Yeah, really. Hold where on. was Wags? Where were you? I was at home. Probably. I didn't see you that day. <laughs> you were looking. You were there. You didn't see me. <laughs> oh, whatever, man. Hey, some love to 7-Eleven. Uh, no debate about 7-Eleven, man. The snacks, the Slurpees, the Big Gulps, they've got everything you need to get you through the summer. They've got everything you need to get you through football season. They're all over the state of Texas. There's one right by my place. I've been there a couple of times already. Shout out to them. Shout out to our guy, Ashish, who runs a few 7-Elevens across the Austin area. Great dude. Big Texas fan, more importantly, a big Texas sports unfiltered Absolutely. fan. Shout out to you, Ashish. Thank you for your support of what we Sunday do. my Sunday paper there. There you go. Bucky gets the Sunday paper. So uh, they've got plenty of copies because Bucky's the only person who's buying the Sunday hard Five copy. Dollars? Oh. Five dollars? Five bucks for a – what is this, the New York Times? I mean, really? This isn't you know the what? Times. They need, they need to make money. For a Sunday paper? God. We're cutting down a lot of trees. Cutting down a lot of trees. Recycle man. some of that plastic and make papers out of them. Come on, let's <laughs> go. <laughs> let's uh, let's hear from Pasarik. Texas 37, Rice 10. Kind of a meh performance by the Longhorns, especially offensively. Look, the important thing is they found a win. The game was really never in doubt. It wasn't always perfect. Uh, there were clearly some issues that, uh, that plagued Texas on Saturday, mainly on the offensive side of the football. But somebody asked Sark in the post-game press conference, and obviously Sark will meet with the media a little bit later today, so we'll have more cuts on the later shows and also tomorrow morning right here on Bucky and BK. But somebody asked Sark, you know, are the mistakes that you guys made today correctable by the time you play Alabama next Saturday? Here's Sark. 
Yeah, that, that's that's of course. You know, I don't. You know, if I if I thought you know we didn't we just were inadequate, then then it'd be a problem. But I definitely don't think we're inadequate. I think we have a good football team. Um, that's the life of a coach is to find the things where we can improve and then continue to emphasize the things that we do well. Um, naturally, you know, you, you can't go in the fourth quarter as a, as a backup and get back-to-back personal fouls and, and you can't fumble the snap. And th- that's why you have to give those guys that experience because they have to get in the game and have some of those growing pains. Um, but the beauty of it, I thought, for the frontline guys offensively was that they were able to make that adjustment at halftime and find that rhythm in the third quarter um, and have three straight drives and, and have really good execution. So that was a real positive for me of growth in moment in the game that uh, I think we can build upon. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when he talks about the way they came out in the third quarter, we have been worried about that since last year. How will they come back and handle their third quarter play and their fourth quarter play? Yeah, you start sticking, you know, third and fourth string guys in there, you're going to get these things that'll that'll happen to you. What I didn't like was the communi- the communications early in the football game. I mean, they they shouldn't have had that many communications problems with that offensive line versus that defensive line of of Rice. It made the Rice kids look more aggressive. You know, that defense looked more aggressive than Texas offense looked, and it was and it was more so lack of communications. But there were some physicality parts in there to me that they just didn't look very physical on the offensive line. There's, I mean, I don't care what they try to do, then just go base blocking and let's just base block those guys. And with your 360 pounders, 360, I'm not talking about 275, you know, 300. You guys guys have 320, 360, and you can't move them, you know, move them forward for a yard or a half a yard for a first down. That has nothing to do with communications. That has to do with your aggressive play. And they didn't look very aggressive on the offensive line to me. That was a lack of aggression. That looked like a finesse offensive line on Saturday. Now, can you fix that in one week? Well, I, I, I know you can fix some of the assignment things and some of the communication things, but the aggression, that's that's that you have to have that aggression. That was there, that was not there on Saturday. And you can say what you want. And I'm, and I'm seeing what I saw, and it didn't look like an aggressive offensive line on Saturday. It looked like it did look like a bunch of guys thinking a little bit too much. I said that in the beginning of the show. Yeah. You know, you start thinking about your assignments instead of playing the game of football. Then coach base block them and move that guy's ass out of the way for a yard. Not gonna have them stuff you in the backfield and 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 you're not even close to first down. You didn't even get close to the two first downs. And, and it wasn't a matter of, oh, did they get a bad spot? No, you weren't close. Yeah. You didn't get you didn't move forward at all. You moved back, as a matter of fact, on most of them. Yeah, frustrating that uh, you had a couple of fourth and shorts against Rice and you couldn't convert. And Sark talked about that after the game, right? Going one for three against anybody on fourth down is not right. great, but especially against Rice. And you had the third down issues, especially in the first half, were, uh, were still there for Texas. So some of the things that gave uh, this pro- this offense issues last year, some of the things that caused the inconsistencies that we saw from the offense last year kind of reared their ugly head on uh, on Saturday. And I'm hoping – like. Texas clearly saved a lot for Alabama, right? And I'm hoping one of the things that they saved was aggression on the offensive line. Thank you. You're right. Like I, I don't know if that's the case. And I'll tell you what, Buck. Well, it's, if- part of that, it's that human nature thing. You know, you you know who you're playing the following week. You know who you have right in front of you. You're, you're playing guys at practice that are better than these guys. So you have a tendency. It's just part of human nature. You know, okay, they went to Rice. I'm playing against, you know, guys that are 1A. 
here at practice every day. You know, I'm playing against four and five stars every day. You're a two star at the best. And so I, I, you tend to, you know, you play down to your competition. Or we watch this team play down to their competition and lose games too. Sure, sure. Well, look, like if, if the Texas offensive line wasn't as good as it was last year, I would give them little to no chance to bounce back and play right. well enough for the Longhorns to win in Tuscaloosa next Saturday. And I know every year is different, and there are guys who get worse. Hell, we've used the word regression when talking about this program a lot over the last 10, 15 years. But because we have seen these offensive linemen, I know that was DJ Campbell's first start, and he's got to be better. But because we've seen that offensive line group go out and play really, really good football over the course of a full season, I'm going to just be optimistic and glass half full and say that, no, that, that group that we saw last year is still there and hopefully they show up this Saturday against Tuscaloosa uh, against Tuscaloosa in Tuscaloosa against Alabama because and they have to yeah we'll say that a lot like they have to the offensive line if they play the way that they did on Saturday Texas is going to get wrecked oh, I mean you're, you're gonna hear that Bama fight song yeah you're gonna hear that Bama fight song over and over it's gonna be stuck in your head by the time we get to halftime if the it, Longhorn O-line is as bad as it was against Rice. Yeah, I'm I'm still – I mean, it is Monday, and I'm thinking they're there at least a 7- to 10-point dog on a Monday after what I saw the two teams. Yeah, because I think it's 7. It, I think the line opened at Bama minus 7, which – Well, on uh, a Monday, I'm at 10. Because okay. what, I, what I saw was – I mean, I, I, th- I mean, as Sark ta- has talked to us a lot about in the spring and, and in fall campus, this is the way he looks at his team. They look like it's the sort of team – that I wanted them to look like. And then when I saw Alabama on Saturday night, I'm like, no coach, this looks like the kind of team that you envision what a football team looks like from top to bottom, from physicality to the way they look. I mean, physically the way they look. And when, when I see rice kids slapping you in the face and stuffing your run game, I don't care if it's game one or game 10. It's, it, it's a, it's a bad look. It was a bad look. And you can say communications and, I'm, I'm going to give you it's bad. Commu- I'm going to give you there's some communications problems because you say they did some different things, and because you, your team looked like they did some different things, but there were some one-on-one blockings. Your guys got beat by those dudes from Rice, and that's I mean you can't have that. No, you, you no. really you really can't have that. And I mean that's can you change that part in a week? Can you change the part about being aggressive? Well, they're going to be they're going to get up for that game, but. If you get punched in the mouth by those guys from Alabama, it's not like getting punched in the mouth from the guys at Rice. It's going to hurt when these guys punch you in the face. That sting is going to last you for more than, you know, a play or two. That's yep. going to last you for a series or two. So you got to get that together. And, and you know, you gotta, you, you've got to run something. To me, you've got to run something different. I've seen these same fourth down runs where the, where the running back lines up in a pistol straight behind the quarterback, and then they go one side or the other and hand off and – what they thought they were going to do is out physical rice, but there's guys sitting in the gaps. Yeah. They're sitting in your backfield again. You don't have Bijan Robinson. You don't have a guy that can absolutely spin off of that guy and get you three or four yards down the field or hell get you 30 yards down the field. If you got guys in your backfield this year, they're going to make those tackles. Yep. You don't have that type of runner right now. Yeah. See that type of runner right now. No. No, I think one of those guys in that running back room will emerge and become sure. not Bijan Robinson. That Texas doesn't have a Bijan Robinson. Nobody in college football has a Bijan Robinson right now. That or Roshan Johnson. 
That guy's, yeah, I don't think Texas has a Rojo right now. I think there's a chance one of these guys develops into something like Rojo by the end of the year. But yeah, Bijan is, uh, you know, once in a five year type of running back, not Absolutely. at the University of Texas, like in college football. Like that's how good that dude is. So no, there's no Bijan. And that guy, you know, is, I don't want to say this offense was a pig last year, but he, he's, he's lipstick. He's makeup. Like he covers up a lot sure. of issues that you might have and that this Texas offense, I think, had last year. So everybody yeah, that else dude has to be better. That dude would have slid off and slid to the outside yeah. or something in some of those cases. Yeah, everybody else has to be better to pick, to pick up the slack there. You're so, right. Uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And hopefully, you know, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, it seems like Baxter's okay, which is really, really good news. Uh, Jaden Blue, I liked what I saw from him on Saturday. Uh, I like what I saw from Jonathan Brooks, too. I really did. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't, in my mind, when he didn't go out and start that game, I was like, what has this other guy done that is really separated? And then I saw him in the game, and I saw one burst. But other than that, I didn't see much separation than to know why one guy was a – why a true freshman was a starter. I don't know if that's for recruiting purposes. I don't know what it's for. But I didn't see a, a big separation from C.J. Baxter and Jonathan Brooks to tell me that that guy is starting over that. I just – once again, I didn't like the ending of the one play at the end on the sideline where I think he just had to be a better athlete. And he's a young guy playing in his first college game. But, I mean, I had a, a one guy who played in the college game, his first college game against a Hawaii team that got off, just plat, absolutely got off. And this guy right here is the number one running back and was the number one running back in the country. And they didn't give him enough room to do very much of anything. When you say he got off, what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, Ricky Williams totally got off against Hawaii in his first game as a college player. He went off or he got off? He went off, got off, got yards, made touchdowns, made plays, fell on his back and not on his shoulder. He did all those things. I was, I was pretty young, but I don't remember watching that. That get off? Ricky Williams, get off on against Hawaii. I don't know. <laughs> He, he got off so much that he wanted to come out of the game and go sit in the stands with his mom. Yeah. And midway during the game, Ew. can I go sit with her? No, dude, you cannot. You can't go sit with your mom. The no, hang with not. his mom after getting off? That's gross, man. You can't go sit with your family in your first college game or your second or any other ones that I was around. No. Uh, oh you got to stay God. here with the rest of the team, dude. God. All right, a couple more shout-outs to some sponsors, and, and we will end with some goods because there were plenty of positives to take yeah, there from was. the Longhorns win, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Shout-out to our friends at SinTexTickets.com. Last Shabby. week, the Buck and I gave away a pair of tickets to the Texas Rice game, and shout-out to Glenn, who was the listener who Glenn. cashed in on those tickets. He sent tweeted us a picture of where the seats were. They were great seats, by the way. Shout-out to SinTex Tickets for hooking Glenn up. Shout-out to Glenn for being a loyal supporter of Texas Sports Unfiltered. We're going to have more ticket giveaways over the course of this season thanks to our friends at SendTextTickets.com. But, hey, if you're looking for tickets for any Texas game, home or away, they've got them right now on site at SendTextTickets.com. And it's not just the Longhorns. Every college football team, NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, when that comes back, they've got it all on site, SendTextTickets.com. So who's the big who's the big show? Demi Lovato. Am I right now? Did I get it right? Demi Lovato. Yes. Really? For the first time, that's it. That is a real person. Yeah. Yeah. Was she coming to town soon? I I guess she's coming to town. I heard she's got a big concert coming up in September, second week. Those are hard. Those tickets are hard to get to. Go send text tickets. Talk to Shelby. Let him hook you up.
Are you trying to go see Demi Lovato? No, I'm not going to see PJ Fleck, Demi Lovato, you know. PJ Fleck. I'm not going to see anybody. No, it's How? too hot. It's too hot out there. My I, I do concerts where there's air conditioning, like the Moody Center, like when Andrea Buccelli comes, where I can sit in a nice seat in the air conditioning because they have like relaxed the back seats in the Moody Theater. So it feels good and that <laughs> air feels good. I can't stand up and watch anybody's concert. Now, especially I, outside, like you no, said. No, 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 no. I chafe. I mean, I need a lot of gold bond powder for that kind of stuff. So, uh, I just can't believe you used PJ Fleck and Demi Lovato in the same. Come sentence. on, man. Never heard anybody do that. Hey, what about uh, Woods Comfort Systems? Oh, brother? yeah. You've got your AC hookup from Woods Comfort Systems. They're the best. Going strong for 60 years, as a matter of fact. And make sure when you get a system, whether you're buying a new house, you've got an apartment, whatever it is, call on Woods Comfort Systems when anything goes wrong because they will get there, they will get it fixed, whether it's air conditioning, heating, or plumbing. Call the folks there for sure. And our our guys, Travis over there and Dave, they will make sure that they're not hanging out at the house all day long. They've got jobs to do. So they're into your home and out of your home and everything's all fixed up for you because this heat is still hanging around, BK. Yep. Yeah, it was, here. it's windy this morning. I was hearing some wind outside my window, and I'm like, is it raining? But nope, just, I just have, wind. You just, you wait. I'll call for rain. I'll let you know when it's going to rain. Okay. Okay, yeah, don't, don't, don't bring it upon yourself to think you know or think it may be raining. I'll let you know when it's going to rain. You're like one for a thousand on your rain predictions over here. And your it's career. coming soon. Hey. And it's coming to a town near you very soon. <laughs> oh, it's coming to this town, please. Not the town <laughs> near me. I need it in this town. <laughs> near you is no good. I need it in oh, Austin, man. Texas, USA, America. Shout out to Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment as well. If you've got any project you need to get done, small job at home, big job at a construction site or at your place of work, Top Gun, they've got all of the tools that you need, rentals and sales. They've got it all, a massive selection, all of the biggest brands, everything you need to get your jobs, plural, done. Go see them, Anderson Square or down south on South 1st Street, topgun.net. We will shoot you straight. Bucky, positives. I think the biggest positive, I think the best player on the field for the Longhorns on Saturday was big Tavondre Sweat. Uh, Even when he plays bad, you can't miss him. He's just so big, but he was impacting the game both against the run and when getting after JT Daniels as well, that guy was spectacular. And hopefully we see more of the same going forward. And I thought all the inside linebackers, I thought the linebacker play was really, really good. Remember, this group did not give up the edge this week. And generally, they'd give, a, they'd give up the edge against my grandmother's team. And this, in this game, they did not. They, they secured the edge, BK. Nobody got outside them. Nobody bounced outside for big yards. I thought they did a really fine job in protecting the edge. On Saturday, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can look and nitpick at that you'd like to have a little bit better. The physicality on offense, even more physicality on defense, more more turnovers. But one thing we saw them do, we saw them give up a lot of edge last year, and they didn't do that on Saturday. I was really pleased at watching that. Now, shout out to Jalen Ford. He mentioned it, one oh of those goodness. inside linebackers, the great interception, but he was all over the field doing what he did last year, which was great to see. Uh, Manny Muhammad, I thought, had a great game. Austin Jordan with the interception. That long playing cool the game? Uh, a little bit. I don't remember. I, I didn't look up uh, the snap count to see how often he was out there. I feel like I remember him playing, but we didn't see much of Jalen Catalan. They're saving that dude for bigger games. Like this week, yes. That's obvious, yep. 
what else? Who else stood out that uh, that we need to talk about here? I, lo- I, I mean, I love the, the guy that's kicking the field goals. I, I like his consistency. I didn't like coming out of halftime him kicking the ball out of bounds. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a no-no. That's, that's a special teams bust up right there. Side that's not run. good. Yeah, I agree. Other shout out, that, I, shout I out to the Westlake well. guy, by the way. Uh, Ethan Burke. One and a half yeah. sacks. Almost had two and a half sacks. He was the guy that I couldn't think of a moment ago. Sorry to cut you off, Buck. But yeah, Ethan Burke, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of expectations about him. Had a really, really good fall camp. He's kind of solidified himself as one of the starters on the edge for this Texas defense. I thought he was really, really impressive. You saw him flash a couple of different times. Yeah, he's got his, those long-ass arms. He's not gonna, you're not going to get around him that easily. I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty good with leverage. He does a good job of that. As I said, I thought they did – well on both sides with their leverage and not letting guys get up. They kind of brought everything to the middle where that monster sweat was just eating, just eating the whole yeah. time. I mean, he was taking up two blockers. He was taking up the center and the guard. I mean, they had to double team him. You couldn't solo block that cat. You really couldn't. Like Florida State had one of those dudes last night that the LSU was trying to single block. He was in the backfield all day long. So I, I really like that about the way this defense played. You know, they can be – they can be aggressive in the, in the in the secondary when they're aggressive on that front, and they not only pressured JT Daniels. We thought they would. I mean, they sacked that dude too. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And also, I agree with Mike Grant on this comment here. The old Worthy is back. Xavier Worthy was very impressive. Maybe the best offensive player for the Longhorns in the game. Uh, I think seven catches for ninety yards. The final stat line for Xavier Worthy. Look, it's it's clear that. And this is something that it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can become a bad thing. Cause I think at times last season, yours was too locked in on Xavier worthy and just yep. didn't trust the other guys. Now Texas did not have the depth or talent in the wide receiver room last year that they do here in 2023. So I'm hopeful that that changes, but Xavier worthy did look really, really good. Uh, made some things happen. He's still a great yak guy. It's good to see the old X back and uh, hopefully yep. he puts together more of a 2021 type of year than what we saw from him in 2022. Yeah, I thought Cooks, I was waiting to see him get back there, return some some punts. It's because I still don't like X being, being the guy back there. But they're not going to change that up against Alabama. They're not all of a sudden flipping your punt returner in week number two against that group. So if you didn't see a, a different punt returner in game number one, you're not going to see one in game number two. Nor should sure. you, right? Yeah, you don't no, you don't, oh, no. you don't you don't uh you know put people into the uh-uh. lion's den like that, right? Like obviously, no. look, you're gonna pull out some stops. Sark's gonna pull out all of the stops. And I think I think it was apparent, I think we knew this before Saturday, but I think it was apparent that you know Texas might have been overlooking Rice a little bit because of what is at stake next weekend. The coaching staff, they've been preparing for the Alabama game since as sure. soon as the clock hit triple zeros in the Alamo Bowl against Washington. Like that. Yeah. That has been their focus. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there was a little bit of just human element let down from Texas on the field on Saturday. Important thing. They found a way to win. The game was never really in doubt, and they're one to know. But, yeah, they're, they're going to show you some things on Saturday that we didn't see yesterday. You're not going to see guys thrown into the fire like that, but obviously it's not going to look that vanilla. It was pretty vanilla on Saturday. Texas was clearly hiding a lot. You're going to see Sark and company pull out all of the stops for this uh, for this Bama game this weekend, and that's how it should be. And they're going to need it because Nick Saban's going to pull out everything he has to win that football game. He doesn't want this to be a close game. He doesn't want Texas getting ready to come into his conference, you know, thinking they can threaten Alabama every time they play him. Right. He's going to Nick Saban is going to try to send a message to the Longhorns this week. I truly yep. believe he's going to look at that film. He's going to tell his players 
don't believe in what you just saw against Rice. This team is going to be much better coming into Tuscaloosa. It's not going to be the same Texas team. They're going to get better in one week, and Nick Saban is not going to let his guys. There won't be any letdowns from, from one side, and that's Alabama. So I don't expect it from Texas. I expect them to get better this week in a lot of different phases. But one thing that's hard to get better in is the aggressiveness. You, you either have it or you don't. You don't build that up in one week unless you just had a total, well, it's rice. Here we go. We got bigger fish to fry next week. And Sark will address that with his team. Yep. I mean, he's going to see that in individual play. Coaches will see that in individual play. You know, the offensive line coach is going to look at certain guys and go, is that what that guy just did to you? <laughs> and you've been practicing against that other guy over there all, all summer long, but you let that guy right there who weighs 170, at, I mean, 270 at Rice, move you around like that. Yeah. You guys didn't get on that double team and move that guy, two of you, on one, on a, on a you know, fourth and one. They're, they're going to they're gonna talk about that in meetings because Alabama's not – Nick Saban's going to have his team ready to play football. And it, it, that'll be a different Alabama team than you even saw last year with the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback yep. when they roll in there this week. Absolutely. We will talk plenty of Texas Bama throughout the week here on Bucky and BK, but we've got a new show that's got to make its debut right here and right now. The Buck yeah. and I will be back from 8 to 10. We've got three new shows today, and the first one starts right now. It is time for Chaos Theory with Rodney Rodriguez and Adam Wagner. Gentlemen, take it away.